So are we doing uh, shadows today? Yeah. Give the people what they want. Believe and them, give them what they don't want. Yeah, there we go. All right. <laughs> we, we, know, we know our banter. We get it. <laughs> Hi there, Pod Pals. It's Ian Boothby. <laughs> and I'm David Edgar. And we're doing Sneaky Dragon again. That's right. We're doing it one more time. What's the episode? Oh, why are you calling me on this? I You're didn't calling have that yourself up. on Five, it. 522. That's what it is. You're calling yourself. Oh, my gosh. You didn't even have to say it. You don't even... It doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. Uh, calling myself just reminds me of when I was a kid. And, uh, of course, we were going to talk about when we were kids, because that's one of the things we do on the podcast, if you haven't listened to this before. And if you haven't, oh, boy, enjoy the ride. (laughs) Um, Was uh, when I would skip out of school, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a number you could call that would kill your phone for about an hour. And so... Oh, your uh, parents' phone? uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it would would make your phone dead for like an hour. And uh, then uh, the teachers couldn't call your parents and go, hey, where is he? And so I would call that uh, and just kill our phone for like... uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. No, most people didn't, but uh, I was able to do that. Was this 911? Yeah, I would call 911 <laughs> and say there's a maniac in the house who's using the phone to do one of those. And they went, oh, like in the movies? And I said, yeah, exactly like in the movies. Okay, we'll kill your phone. Oh, we'll kill your phone so yeah. that the guy can't do it and he'll yeah, get yeah. bored and leave. Because yeah. they, they just enjoy the chase. <laughs> but it's like, oh, the guy's phone doesn't work. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go find a sorority somewhere and just just do my shenanigans there. It's Christmas. I'm busy. I'll just move on. Wow. You cause a lot of mayhem. Mm -hmm. Just so you know that. Yep. Huh. Well, it's good that you escaped that uh, maniac. Thank you so much. And we're doing a little cleanup uh, here. It was my wife's birthday last night. Well, Mm. celebrated it. It was uh, her birthday two days before. Yeah. And and, and yeah, so uh, a lot of uh, putting uh, compostable dishes into a compost bin. That's what I was doing, and uh, a lot of people I know having uh, sugar hangovers and other kinds of hangovers as well. Luckily for me, I don't suffer from such things. No, you can just like, does nothing affect you in the morning that you've had the night before, besides lack of sleep? Well, I don't, I don't really do anything that's terrible, right? Well, it's not terrible, but like, you know, if you have like a lot of uh, cake or something, are you... Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. No. Actually, I didn't eat any breakfast this morning. I don't know if that's an effect. Oh, okay. Side effect of this. But a reason for that was that I... I thought I had set my alarm for 7.30, mm-hmm. but it turns out I hadn't set my alarm at all. But luckily, I woke up at 8.01 exactly, but I wanted to be at the gym at 8 o'clock. Oh, okay. So I woke up at 8.01, and I ran downstairs, and I uh, quickly threw off my pajamas as if I was <laughs> escaping jail. That's right. I threw them around, and then I, I found my gym, my gym strip, my gym strip, and I quickly threw that on and ran out of the house with my... You only I, use, by the way, that uh, expression in school. <laughs> That's the only place that the gym clothing is stripped. I still like it. And then as, yeah, as soon as like uh, you leave school, it's like, it's just gym clothes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. No, it's better. Gym strip's a better name. So then I, I grabbed my gym strip and then I threw that on and then I grabbed my choir clothes, like a, I'm still wearing my like dark pants and a, just a shirt I could wear at church until I changed into my white shirt there. And I zoomed out of the out the door, jumped in the car and I was driving to the gym and I was like, I realized my pants felt kind of wet on the side. Mm. I was like... That's weird. Why am I pants? I could smell something too. Then I realized that Risa had peed on my pants. Oh no! So they smelled kind of catty. Right. They had a bit of a okay. Cat, let's let's let's, let's mention that Risa is a cat. Yeah, Risa's the cat. Okay. Wasn't one of us? Not one of our kids. And yeah, I had decided that my my pile of clothes that I had carelessly thrown on the floor the day before looked just fine. Okay. Yeah, they do like a cat does like to pee on a gym clothes. <laughs> 
<laughs> gym strip. And then, uh, and then I got, I was kind of like, well, I'm already driving to the gym. What the hell? So I just went to the gym and I was yeah. just like, I'll avoid people. Probably people thought the whole time, like, man, this guy smells weird. Smets, sweats pretty weird. But yeah. I, I stayed away from people, so hopefully I wasn't too... It's got a cat-like uh, quality to him. <laughs> I don't know what exactly it is. What it is. That's right. I feel like I th- petting I think, him. I think he's in heat. I think he might be in heat. Also, I purr when I'm at the gym. Sure. I'm so happy to contented. Is it possible to find a church that lets you uh, exercise at the same time to just combine the two <laughs> so you could well, get an extra hour of sleep? Well, Robin Williams called Episcopal. Episcopalianism, which is uh, the American form of Anglicanism, right? Church aerobics, so mm. it is. Uh, yeah, it's get up, get down, get down, get up, get up, stand up, stand. Yeah, st- put kneel. your hands in the air. <laughs> we don't do a lot of hands in the air, but we do. We do do a lot of sitting, sitting, standing, kneeling. Well, we don't do kneeling anymore. That's kind of gone on the window, but mm. no one kneels at church anymore. That's not hip. Is it? Uh, is it because of hips? Is it because of knees? Is yeah, it because it's because people... old people can't do. No, I think it's just the idea that you are abasing yourself. By kneeling, which okay. was the idea that you were, you know, that you're, that, that I think the idea that God demands that of us is sort of gone. Okay, so there was hat. a spiritual reason. I just, yeah. I just assumed that it was because church became more of an older person thing. And so to appeal to the older people, yep. you know, let's not make uh, grandpa kneel because <laughs> he might not be getting up. It does have a good side effect, but I don't think, I don't think it's for that reason. Yeah. It could be though, but we still do have bolsters you could kneel on if you wanted to. Like they're available. But we had a couple of young, very younger people, like twenty-year-olds, who who uh, would they were the only ones who kneeled, and they would use them. But they've stopped too. They realized, you know what? What am I doing this for? Right. Let's get rid of these old ways that we've brought to this church. I, I do guess. think that there is probably a market for. And I, again, there's a lot of Eastern religions that you know combine yoga, in, which is like a, <laughs> which is a spiritual thing yeah, sure, as well. Sure. So you know that is combining. Exercise in church, mm-hmm. but like it would be interesting to combine exercise with uh, with church. It's just like you know, uh, do some running. And by the way, that reminds me of a time that you know. And also, now we're yeah. going to do some stretching. And as you reach for the sky, remember such and such and such and such. Sure. Yeah, I guess you could do that. You could do it like sort of outside of uh, regular services. Now, were you? Did you do your solo choir thing today? We did our anthem today, yes. Okay, yeah. and you had a solo piece? No, no, no. When I said solo, I just meant the choir sings by itself. Oh, very good. The congregation doesn't join in. Like, normally we are ah. leading the congregation in with the, the hymns and everyone sings with us. But this is us just singing to them, to our poor, unfortunate parishioners who have to sit and listen to us. That's fine. No, actually, we have, a really, good, we have a really good choir. Like, for what it is, like, there's no professionals. They're all mm-hmm. people who'd volunteer their time. Uh, we have a really good sound, actually. We get a lot of compliments from people who visit from other churches. Nice. Because it's pretty rare nowadays to have a nice church choir, just because your pick, the pickings are slim. And the older you get, the, the harder it gets to sing. I got to say, the, the, one of the things that was nice last night when the Happy Birthday song was sung, it's that moment where you realize, oh, this is a room full of good singers. Now. That's right. And I'm like, too. there's a bunch of people who are like, oh, everyone's just like ticking it up a notch. Now yeah, we're all, yeah. okay. All I was right, saying that too, and there was even some harmonies coming yeah, from Yeah, that's the what I was going like, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I was like, oh, some of you nice. are in bands, some this of you are in choirs, some of you, okay. <laughs> We know, we know going. pitch. We know yeah, pitch. We can we pitch go. ourselves to each other. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Because it's true. Like, if you, like, often, like, often I, I'll, maybe I won't know a note perfectly in a, in a song or whatever, but as long as I'm in tune with everyone else, it doesn't really matter if I'm hitting, like, the exact note. Yeah. You know, I try to all the time. But, you know, one thing is I sing tenor, and tenor isn't a lead voice. It's a, it's a, it's a harmony voice. So you're always singing something slightly weirder than everyone else because you are you are part of a chord. Who is chord. the lead voice in? Usually that? sopranos. Okay. 
usually sopranos do the voice. Sometimes, sometimes it falls to us to do to do the uh, to do the lead, but not very often. Tenors mostly you're singing like uh, tenor and bass. You're mostly singing like these kind of weird part chords, and so it, it can sometimes feel strange to you, like you're not because it doesn't feel like you're singing properly to everyone else. Right. But you really have to have like some courage in your your pitch in order to to you know and have some sense of like okay this is okay it's okay that i sound <laughs> weird to everyone else you know because out there that sounds great because they're here the audience or the parishioners i hate to call it an audience the parishioners are hearing it parishioners are an audience but not all audience are parishioners. it's fine it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just weird if right? you look it up a dictionary definition i'm sure it would qualify i just heard one guy when he was playing like in a you know like evangelical church and he called it a gig <laughs> I was like, it's not a gig. Like, well, isn't that like a concert? A show? Like, if that's your idea, like you're going up there to show off to people, and though, I got to show some people my chops. Okay, like, oh. if you feel like you're showing off, yeah, that is a thing. But I, it feels to me like from all the Bible stories I've read, as yeah. you know, I've read maybe four. Um, <laughs> but if there's if, a lot of towers of Babel, if someone, yeah, if someone comes along and is like, this is a, and it's like fancy word for something, and then another person goes, I just think it's a casual word for something. Then it would usually be uh, the lesson would be and the casual one was correct because <laughs> the humbler person who did not you know sure you know but take yeah. it take it seriously obviously it's important but i just don't know, want don't... to divide myself from them like yeah we're no, the inquire we are the same as them though we are that yeah. is also a lesson you would probably be taught that's right <laughs> so so i don't want to put it that way but uh, yeah so if you're out there you know, the congregation they can hear the chord which i can't hear because i'm in the back row i can't mm. really hear the people in front of me very well and so yeah, it's... Uh... I have been in that situation where I've been singing, and I have been in a position where I can't really hear the other singers, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, I hope... <laughs> exactly. I hope this is close. <laughs> just looking at the choir director. You're just mm-hmm. sense memorying gonna make a... what it was, and here we go. Is she wincing? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, well, no, but it went really well today. Oh, really good, well. good. Yeah. So did nice. you go to the gym first and then to church? I went to the gym first and then to church. Okay. Yeah. So I got there, and everyone was like... I could see they were waiting for me, because I... I left the church, or I left the gym at 10 after. Yeah. But I didn't get to church, which I thought was like two minutes away. I didn't get there till five. It was five minutes. So I got there when I was supposed to be there. Yeah. So I come walking and everyone's looking at me walking in. I'm like, I can't come in there because I got pants that smell like cat pee. I didn't yell that out, but you know, I just, so I went and I changed quickly and then I came in and then I told them. And then the Bible story <laughs> would always be, and the man with the cat pee pants <laughs> was raised to the highest level That's for funny. he was the humble man who did not yeah, put on airs and wear the fancy clothes. Yeah, we hope he didn't put on airs with his pants on like that. <laughs> uh, blessed, yeah. Blessed be the cat. When I walked into the, to the uh, sanctuary, then I said to everyone, sorry, I'm late. My pants smelled like pee because like, my cat peed on them. Cats aren't mentioned in the Bible at all, right? I don't think Can't so. Can't think I... of any mention of cats in the Bible. No. Dogs? Yep. What's the dog one? Oh, well, the one I remember is um, Christ and the Syrophoenician woman when she asks him to cure her daughter. But she's not Jewish. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, not, she's a Gentile. And he says uh, something like, something about dogs. Like, do people, you know... Why would I feed value, things of value to dogs, basically, is what he says to her. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, even dogs get the table scraps. He's like, good point. Your daughter's cured. <laughs> the important thing in that story, though, is that he doesn't say dogs in a... In a it does say dogs, but he actually says, like, pet dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, he says it in a way that's sort of, like, ba- bantering, not in an insulting way. It's yeah. kind of hard to read in our to us, because in that time, it had the... There were different kinds of dog designations, right? There was like wild dogs, you know, or kind of feral dogs. And then there were like dogs people would have in their homes. 
And that's what he uses as, as the expression. And I think he's just bantering with her and she banters back and he appreciates it and he cures her daughter hmm. in the story. But it's kind of hard to read because it's one of those things you're like, why would he call her a dog? It's not until you kind of search is, it out. Is that the only story you can think of where uh, Jesus goes, good point? It is. That's, a, that's an interesting it's a great, one. great. It's a great <laughs> yeah. moment. It yeah. is, really is a great moment because it comes in a moment where, in a way, his his mission changes, ministry changes. Yeah. It's also nice that it's a woman that's doing it too, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, how about this? Man, that's a fair point. Well. There's a few stories like that where where the where women have an important part to play in the stories. It wasn't. It really wasn't like even in er, the early church, there was a lot of important women. It wasn't until it started to for, you know formulate into a institution that they got pushed out. Of course, that's natural. Right. I don't mean natural. I mean naturally stupid. But yeah, when there's when the there's power things. around, things change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, like then then you have the history of the church, which is like the history of a bunch of people mistaking power for grace. I've know? only heard good things. <laughs> you only heard. Have good to let me know what's going on. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, I'm I would... very close to reading about the Crusades. <laughs> I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> it just gets better after that. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, to get the Inquisition. You want to see what a wanna, happy you, time. You want to have Jesus come back and go bad point. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did you guys hear me? Quite the opposite. Yeah. Did you guys hear me when you, before you started writing your biblical fan fiction? I was. It was interesting. I was talking to um, a woman at church today, and she she. Um, I'm really interested in her story right now because she grew up Mennonite, so she grew up in a pretty strict faith that you know requires a lot of has a lot of strictures, has a lot of rules to it. You know, you have to sign a contract when you turn 13, and that. I'm going to just do the dumbest thing in the world right sure. now, and then we'll get back to your serious yeah, thing, yeah. which is good. Doesn't it sound like Mennonites, what would kill men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like their men's one weakness, Mennonite. <laughs> Someone just sure. holds up a big butt chunk of Mennonite, yeah. and we go, ah! And like, let me just collapse. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But back to the serious story sure, that sure. I just derailed. That's fine. No. Feel free. It's I'll talk really about se- serious stuff later, too, and you just take me right off the path, Because right? <laughs> you know, I owe you, you one. You know me, buddy. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so we were talking, and like, so she, yeah, she grew up a Mennonite, and then obviously she has changed her her outlook, her understanding of of God, and, and you know, and found a church that's more in, in keeping with that, right? You know, so she's come, come to our church, which is a very you know hippy dippy kind of place, and you know, it's all talking about love and all this, all this good junk, yeah. And then, um, so but she got a job teaching at a at a Christian, like evangelical Christian high school. Uh, doing ESL there. And so she is having to kind of figure out how to work and talk and have like some sort of rapprochement religiously with these people, with people that she doesn't really agree with. Right. And so she's talking about um, this group that they formed there called Emmaus, which is a reference to the road to Emmaus, the road that the, the forlorn disciples meet Christ on when they're walking. And she's talking about how They'd, you know, the idea was to have like these discussions on theological topics, and so she chose hell. And you know, so she's saying like, there's four conceptions of hell. I can't remember all her conceptions. Like you know, like a place of like a place of fire. You know, like a place of of um, redemption, a place of universalism. And I can't remember the four, I, she didn't, couldn't remember the fourth one, and I, and I don't know it either. Because mm-hmm. quite frankly, I just don't gift, gift shop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it should be the worst hell of all. Yeah, that's uh, Dante. That was how he finally got out. I was like, "What's the? Oh, we got to go through the gift shop to get yeah. it." You know what? I'm fine. I'm staying. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, you say Dante, and that's my problem with these things, like Dante and Milton. Like, like I like to use the term biblical fan fiction, and that's because that's what hell is. It's like a conception of people that well after 
the Bible. There's no mention of of hell, H E W L, in the in the Bible. Like there's fill-in words like Hades, which come from the Greek, because they couldn't really think of a word to to use to describe what was being talked about in Jewish thinking, and or Gehenna, which was an actual physical place in in Jerusalem. It was a it was a garbage dump outside of town. And so when Christ talks about things going to Gehenna, he means just going to the dump. Mm. You know, just they're trash. He wasn't talking about going to hell, but those concepts have been transferred into the idea that we'll go to hell. Like there's a physical place you go to and, and you, you know, it's like a thing and it's in the ground, I guess, as we started to conceptualize it because people can't. Isn't, isn't there that pair, again, this was what threw me off when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, was, uh, isn't that the, there that parable of the, uh, the, the, the rich man who lives a decadent life and is not a kind man at all and he dies and he goes to hell and he says to Abraham, he looks up and can see Abraham. He says to Abraham, you know, uh, at least let me warn my brother. Let me tell my brother that this is real. And then mm. he goes, well, if, if your brother, if you wouldn't listen to, if your brother wouldn't listen to us and everything we've said, why would he listen to you? And there you go. And so, you know, to me, that was like one of those stories like, oh, well, at least the guy's like thinking of someone else. He's not asking for himself. He's asking for his brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was thing. I don't know that story, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't know that, that parable. Yeah. I have to look that up. Yeah, there was the two parables that threw me off. One was that one and one was the other one, which was uh, the uh, the guy who uh, begs a king uh, for because he owes money to a king. And he begs the king for uh, his life not to go into a dungeon or be killed for the mm-hmm. debt. And the king is generous and goes, oh, okay, it's fine. Your debt is forgiven. He's, oh. But then uh, someone owes that guy money. And he goes, I want it, and uh, beats him up for it. Yeah. And uh, the king hears about that and takes the guy and basically tortures him for the rest of his life. Hmm. And then in the God spell, Victor Garber <laughs> says, and that is what God will do to you. And uh, their goofy way of doing it is like he's got his hand in a toaster and some sawing his leg. <laughs> and it's this kind of stuff. But as a kid, I'm just like, oh, this God's going to torture fine. you. This doesn't sound like God mm-hmm. that I know. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like, oh, no, no, you'd get scolded, but you'd still be forgiven. Yeah. But yeah, apparently there's like this. There was a, there was a, uh, it was almost a Jack T. Chick, ha ha, <laughs> got you situation. Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with those ones, so I have to, I'm, you know, I don't know every yeah, story, Yeah, you haven't obviously. seen Godspell. I have seen Godspell. Okay. I have seen Godspell, but I think, but Godspell to me is, its theology is very 70s uh, born-again theology, so it's a, is, it is a retri- retributive idea of, like, punishment, And gospel. I understand that when you're doing a movie, you want to have some good hell scenes in there. <laughs> you got to have some stuff happening. you gotta, you got to zazz yeah, it up yeah. a bit. Sure. But, yeah, but sorry, continue. So, yeah, it was interesting to talk, because... You know, she's talking to someone who's a fundamentalist, and she's coming at it from her point of view. You know, she does, you know, she can't like let go of the idea of hell because that's a conceptual part of her childhood and her religion. Mm-hmm. No matter how far you move away from something, it's still hard to like yeah. throw everything out. But to her, it's it is a restorative place, not a retributive place. But to to him, he could not conceive of this idea that there's not punishment involved. You know, and you know, like she's going, but you try. So you're trying to go for Well, we're going from a place of love. And I said, but you know, what is love? Right. So that's the problem. Like you, your word is a word, but everyone has their own view of what mm. love is or what God's love means. You know, so if you believe in a retributive punishment, God, then God's love is a, is a horrible, you know, thing of, of judgment and punishment. But if you believe in God's love in, 
a restorative way that it God's love is a thing of judgment, but of parental judgment of, you know, of care and restoring you to from the whatever mistakes you've made. But then what's parental judgment too? There's like Sure, that's a yeah. thing, but you know, you want but you know, yeah. always loving, right, is the as the idea, not not uh not an evil parent. But that's the problem, exactly. If you yeah if you grew up with an abusive parent, then the idea of God the Father, if say you had a terrible father who beat you and abused you, and then someone said to you, well, you should find peace in God the Father, you're going to go, well, I can't. Yeah. That's just like a Or a totally... dad or someone who, yeah. you know, just like, oh, I have no son, you know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing, and, yeah. which always to me just sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Just insane. Like, how can you have a child and then just, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. cut it off, and then that's the end. That is just like, it's just Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Obviously, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's an interesting thing where you, you know, for her and I to discuss it. It's easy for us because there is some common ground between us and our understanding of God. But to someone who has a different understanding of God, trying to broach these topics, everyone has, you know, you're just like, oh, I don't, can't see what you're, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, and I thought that's kind of interesting. And the other thing I thought was, I said, as I pointed out to her, I said, well, what's kind of funny is that I like that you call it Emmaus because on the road to Emmaus. The disciples didn't recognize Christ when he came to them. You know, they walked with him for a long time. It wasn't until he left them that they realized that he was Christ. Mm. You know, and so that's that's an interesting part of that story is that whenever Christ appeared after his death, everyone's like, who is this guy? Oh, <laughs> it's you. Oh, boy. You also know. also a good Bob, uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby movie. The Road, Road to Emmaus. Yeah, that's hilarious. Hey, watch that guy. <laughs> that's right. They, they escaped the cross <laughs> with their uh, their little punching game. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Patty cake, patty <laughs> cake, bakers. Hey, what? He says uh, we should forgive him and not punch him in the face. All right, Junior. I think that's what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Doing more Edward G. Robinson than yeah, uh, than a, uh, Bob Hope. But, but a there's a tricky. There's a thing. Yeah, you yeah. got to be Dave Thomas. <laughs> that's the only one who can do it. Yeah, no, it was. Um, anyway, it was a good discussion. It was one, of, and also it was a long discussion. So um, I was going to go home and have lunch, and then come here, and then I looked at my my watch, and I was like seven minutes after twelve. I was like, we've been talking for a while. I like you did a little mime of looking at your watch, and it was yeah. very Dick Tracy. And also, your watch is incredibly Dick Tracy. It is Dick Tracy. Like uh, it's not connected right now, but I could talk on my phone. I could talk like to someone on my watch. Nice, which is crazy, right? Like if you grew up reading Dick Tracy as a kid, yeah. And now you have a watch that you can like talk to someone on. You could talk to Gogo Gomez. You could talk to all the other <laughs> J- characters. J- Joe Jitsu. Joe Jitsu. I only, I, oh, Jesus. I only talk to I only talk to uh, ethnic or racial stereotypes on my watch. That's all I that's all I do. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm trying to remember who the dog was. He also had a dog <laughs> that he talked to who was like just a like a dog that acted like, like a human. I don't remember that. Yeah. I think the dog dressed like a cop. I think it was a cop dog. They're all cops. Yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming yeah. the others are undercover. The dog must have had an Irish accent or something. <sighs> or was that Pat? Was Pat in it as well? I think Pat was in the thing with him, right? I don't think Pat ever went on the adventures because mm. it would be Dick Tracy going with a uh, just out of there. Like, basically, he would team up with a serial mascot. <laughs> like, he would team up with Tony Tiger. Like, yeah, almost. Yeah. It would just yeah, be yeah. that would be the level of character he'd team up with. <laughs> or, like, Snap from Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Yeah, and and just uh, and, and just go on his adventures, um, and everyone who really liked Dick Tracy went, oh, just give me some Dick Tracy, real Dick Tracy, real Dick Tracy. So don't real... you worry, there's a movie coming up. Oh, oh thank goodness, thank that's gonna, oh gosh, be, uh, gonna be who's uh, oh, oh. What the... 
Well, though some people, some people like it. It was a star-studded, like uh, star-studded. You know, it was it. Look, it was its own thing. It designed interesting designs. Sure. Its use of color was fascinating. Yeah. Like it really, it was a thoughtful film, but kind of stiff. Yeah, is my feeling about it. When I saw it, I thought it was a little mannered and not and not as much fun as it could have been. You know, it was better than the spirit. <laughs> Boy, you got to say that about a lot of movies. Well, in that I'm trying to think of like another movie that when I'm saying it was its own thing, and I'm going, well, the spirit was its own thing mm. too. Mm. It's like, yeah, it was. Was it? Was it more of a ripoff of Sin City? Boy, you know, in that it was black and white. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. but uh, I can see the reason being that the spirit is black and white for the most part. I it was. It was. The color. Co- it was color as it, when it was published. Oh, that's true. It was published. As, oh, there's no excuse for it then. No, Screw there's it. no excuse at all. No, the heck with it then. Okay. <laughs> Fuck no, them. that was uh, that was uh, <laughs> garbage. Yeah, it was garbage. Yeah, they yeah. showed uh, the octopus's face through the whole thing. Yeah. If you read the Warren reprints or the kitchen sink reprints, they did print them as black and white just for economic reasons. Right. But the original, like, because it was originally published as a as a four page, uh, four page um, insert insert. Yeah, for newspapers. Yeah. And, and the, the stories were eight pages long. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, the story they would have like the spirit story that maybe it was longer than four pages because they would have the spirit story then they would have like phantom lady like they would have other characters in oh, them as okay. well. Well, like, I know like spirit stories are traditional eight, eight pages. Long. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they'd have those and then they would have like an extra extra page of whatever of the phantom lady a, drawn by Lou Fine or I did whoever. a parody of of that with Bill Morrison called The Sprint. Yes. And so, you know, we tried to break it down with like, mm. and we really did try to break it down like, what are the beats that are usually in here? And yeah. when does this happen? And when does this happen? When's the twist? So was What's there the a bit thing? of a formula to, to them? Like sometimes. regular or, or sometimes? Yeah, first of all, yeah. you got your establishing shot, which then has the title in some, that often. spells out the spirit yeah, often, in yeah. some uh, interesting way. And then you reveal what's, what, where is he? Mm-hmm. What was that that I just saw? Which is yeah. not a million miles away from what we used to do in the Simpsons comics, which we always started with a splash page that was like a mislead. And then, okay, mm. now here's where we are. Okay, okay. And then, yeah, we just kind of looked through some stories and then tried to, you know, hit the hit the beats that are usually in a, in a spirit story. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got to fall in some water. He's got to come out of that water. He's probably going to end up in a sewer. Has to be terribly beaten up. Yeah, he's got to be really beaten up. <laughs> how, how, the hell, how Has to meet a up? seductive lady. Yeah, and of course, because it's a Simpsons story, we got to have, like, a thing at the end which reveals, like, oh, it wasn't what you thought it was at mm. all. It was this it was this extra thing but yeah. Bill was uh, just fantastic. He drew he drew like Homer dripping in water coming out of, you know, the river just so oh, so good. <laughs> Anytime I get a chance to work with Bill Morrison, it's just uh, yeah. Just a dream. The did, guy knows just the guy knows his stuff so well. Did he have a uh, an unfortunate um, sidekick like the spirit? No, we didn't have time for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nor would we. Did we put anything in the background? Maybe. Okay. That would have been the only place we would have put it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, that is the thing. Whenever they reboot the spirit, it's like, what do we do? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to just keep the name of Ebony. The name is okay, so wait. Great. What if it's a girl? Okay. Well, how does that make it better? <laughs> I don't know. What makes it better? I don't know. Nothing makes it better. How about two of them, it, Ebony and Ivory? Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, you don't. Yeah, it's a hard one. You just it's it a come, different time. Yeah, it come. Different yeah, time. it's 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 published in a different time magazine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what it and is. even someone like Will Eisner, who seemed very liberal in his politics and seemed very, you know, you know, uh, I don't know, progressive, progressive. I guess for the but progressive for the time is the is the yeah. way to say it. I guess 
because and what and yeah when he would do his like later stories yeah it was it it was quite diverse but Mm -hmm. you know you come from a time when you learn to draw and these are the characters that are around and that's what you do and that's what you do and do it and you do it (laughs) and then you go like on the sliding scale of what was the character like pretty good character wise how did they look (laughs) Not good <laughs> at all. I know even Jules Pfeiffer wrote stories for the Spirit. Sure, you know, he would, he would give him like bona fides for for liberal, you know, arch liberal. Did uh, did Pfeiffer write the uh, Moon stories? Uh, he wrote several of those. He wrote a lot of the crime stories and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just wondering if the ones where the Spirit went to the Moon, if he if he wrote those. Like I, was Wally Wood? Involved Wally Wood was involved. Wally Wood yeah. drew backgrounds and stuff for it. So yeah, he, yeah. He did a lot of the machinery drawings and things for it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Joseph Pfeiffer might have been involved with writing that. I'm not. I'm not certain. I know he had a big part to play in the later stories and right. You know, which and which then he are did some of which his are own better stuff in. I think in Spirit Magazine or something like he had some. I think there was something. His own stuff was published somehow connected. There was something there. I don't know. <laughs> You know what? I could just make stuff up. I'm not going to make stuff up. There's a uh, story by the cartoonist whose name, uh, Noah Van Skyver. Yes. Uh, talking about meeting Jules Pfeiffer. And at that time, he was going through the rejection phase of, of his cartooning career. And he decided rejection after rejection. Van Skyver. Van Skyver, yeah. Okay, and he went to this signing that Jules Pfeiffer was doing. And he and he said, to, he just asked him, he said, you know, I, I'm just at this point as a cartoonist where I'm just not certain it's for me like i i can't get anyone to to publish my work i'm just getting all these rejections and and pfeiffer said just keep on sending them in because eventually they'll be too tired to say no (laughs) that's what i did so yeah interesting yeah that's yeah i would agree with that (laughs) wear them down was my uh has always been my policy (laughs) why not why not? It is a good policy. It's yeah. Eventually, you know, if nothing else, they'll compare your newer stuff to your older stuff and go, well, this is better than before. <laughs> so, okay. At least he's learned to ink. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was, I was looking at uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, not a bunch, but a couple mm. of Fantagraphics rejection letters that I got. Oh, yeah. 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 And they're very, they're very nice from Jeremy Pinkham. Mm, nice. You know, it's like, yeah. I got one too for no reason at all because I didn't actually. That's uh, right. I love yours. <laughs> It's just like we don't want to publish you. I never sent you anything. Well, don't don't send us anymore. Keep it up. This is yeah. So people, if people don't know the story, we Ian and I went to a book fair kind of thing down in Seattle one time. Lisa came with us, and and we were just talking to the guy at the Fanographics table, and he seemed like a good dude. Like we actually looked after the table for him. We went to the bathroom. Yeah. And you know, stole some stuff. Stole some stuff, of course. Pocket a few things, but payment payment was due. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he came, you know, and then we were leaving and I was like, hey, well, you might enjoy this comic I did. So I gave him, gave him a copy of Rounders. And uh, that was that. And then a couple months later, I get this rejection letter from Fantagraphics. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I would never pretend this is not quite worthy of that, people. This is not, not there yet. Oh, boy. I would disagree. I thought that was, was very good. <laughs> it's okay. It's not. I don't think it's When you brought pop- it to professional uh, level. Alternative Press Expo, everyone really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good for Alternative Press Expo, where yeah. it's a bunch of us with mini comics. And, and that's basically like that. what yeah. I got with my rejection letter as well. It was like, this is uh, good. It's not for us. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah good. It's, good. it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's really You're good. absolutely correct. It's good. It's a great mini comic, but yeah, keep on working. And uh, also, by the way, in the future, there'll be a thing called web comics. And then all of this will be irrelevant because <laughs> you can just do your stuff on the web. And then uh, whoever uh, likes it will like it. And it's its its own thing. And All uh, those guys, all those guys have books. Who's that? The web comic people. They all have books, too. 
Well, they publish the books after the yeah, webcomic yeah. is I'm successful. Just saying that, I'm just saying like But the they don't have are... the gatekeeper that goes... No, um, that's true. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No, I don't know. But I mean, we, you know, if you publish your mini comics long enough, you could have got a book out of it. I just too. remember how mean, not to me, but how mean they were to like someone like Ed Brubaker. When Ed Brubaker was like uh, trying to get published at Fantagraphics. Oh, really? And uh, so, but that was when he was drawing his own stuff. Yeah. And, and they'd be, they were just so harsh about it. Like, you know, he's ripping off chester brown yeah and so harsh about how he's ripping off the hernandez brothers and you know all the, and it was just you know sought in person them just being so mm. teasy mean to him and, yeah and you know i was like well where is he now <laughs> <laughs> they're all where they where they want to be i guess yeah uh, it's but yeah but also by the way yeah you're gonna be you're gonna ape a little bit of you know the people whose stuff you for like sure yeah, that was, that was a bitchy time in comics, that's for sure. It was kind of a bitchy time in comics, yeah, and I yeah. think it was also because it was kind of a successful time in comics, and they had uh, Eight Ball, and they had Hate, and uh, they didn't publish Dirty Plot. That was uh, Drawn and Quarterly. That's but like, Quarterly, yeah. Drawn and Quarterly was, was doing pretty well as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, yeah, they were kind of the place to be. They were the thing, and they mm-hmm. were... You know, uh, and also hate was kind of covering the grunge scene in Seattle at the same or doing stories about the grunge scene in Seattle exactly at the right time for that. Mm-hmm. So they seemed like they were part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. And yeah, they could get a little bit. <laughs> well, there's that good story in the first issue of hate that prisoners of hate island with Beggy, Tim, Kim Thompson and Gary Groth stuck on an island together. And uh, just it's really just making fun of that whole attitude of uh, that very exclusive attitude of theirs which i don't think baggy shared as much he was you know because he edited weirdo and i think he had more of a a little bit more catholic taste than than they did you know his he was uh, had more allowance a little more flexibility partly because he inherited a bunch of robert crumb's weirdo con- contributors and so he had to kind of incorporate his taste and their right. taste and and kind of make a some sort of semi-pleasing melange. For and Crumb was in most of the issues as well. If not he was a mate, yeah, he always yeah. had, he did the cover and he did the, the lead story. So even though he was the editor, he wasn't, it didn't feel like he was the dominant force no, of that. No, yeah. but it was his writing. He, he wrote the letters page, like he did letter the sure. letters page and all that kind of stuff. This is the way that Robert Crumb had done before he did, he took over. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's a, that was a weird time. But I mean, it, fit the, it, was, it was the time though. It was the time. It, it was, kinda, cr- it does kind of feel like a bit, you know, when, you know, someone I know or someone around gets like a podcast that really takes off and mm-hmm. like, oh, I know this. I know what this is like. Yeah. yeah I've seen yeah. this before. And that's and that's fine. And it'll go somewhere and maybe it'll go. But yeah, it's just like, yeah, you're at the right place, right time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and there you are. But I think there's a, there's a feeling, though, if you're, you know, if you're in it, you feel like, yeah, this is the way it should be. I, I worked hard. I did this. And now, of course, this is the way it is. And it's like, well. Yes. Yeah. And then things can change on a, a you know a turn at any point, and people won't like comics anymore, or <laughs> podcasts will not be the thing, That's, and now it'll be yeah. short uh, videos are the thing, or mm-hmm. something just just on your watch yeah. or something. That's, the the internet's going to happen, and the comics journal doesn't need to be around anymore. And that you know your flagship magazine, you have to put in mothballs because. The audience is gone for it, you know. Right. By the way, uh, my wife's going to be uh, the cover story on a future issue <laughs> of the Comics Journal. Yeah, but, they have uh, re they have revitalized yeah, it, yeah. which is which is great because I'm a big fan of the Comics Journal. Yeah, but I think I, yeah. I, I think part of what made it so alive was like the Blood and Thunder letters sure. column and stuff like that, which I think you know the the bulletin boards and things they hosted later on kind of took the took the place of that. Yeah, the the problem, like, again, the Blood and Thunder, which was the uh, letters page, mm-hmm. uh, 
things were somewhat successful. That was the thing you had. Yeah. You could have success. Yeah. You know, in comics as uh, publishing alternative comics, mm-hmm. and you could make a living, and you could hire an assistant, and you could do things, and and so when things are at that level. Uh, then the discussion gets more, <laughs> but, but if everyone's like on the down yeah. and not doing great, it's, you know, it's still, but it's, it doesn't have the impact on yeah, the swinging yeah. punches. Yeah. And I mean, and then a lot of the big personalities have kind of, kind of stepped aside as well or have left us, you know, like, so, so you don't let, you don't have like Harvey Picar with his two page long letters, you know, getting into a big, getting into it with, uh, who is he getting into it with now? Is it with? Art Spiegelman, I mean, I can't remember. There's like a big giant back and forth with an Arfiore who was a columnist for the journal, couldn't resist yeah. getting in. And, and it's people that really know how to write. Oh too. my God. Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are great. I mean, those are, this, that, that could last a bus trip, the letters column in, in the, in the comics journal. It was pretty, pretty worthwhile at the time. What it is now, read. I would say, is, uh, people like the comic skaters doing two and a half hour videos about, a book or TV show that they don't like, mm. and th- and that's that's what it is. But yeah. it's much much less articulate, and I don't know <laughs> I don't know what they think they look like. Yeah, but they don't think they look like they think they look like mm. when they're when they're on their this screen and they're doing their thing. It's like mm, I know you're not you're not Edward R. Moreau here, buddy. This is not. It just looks like a guy going. It's just you just it looks terrible. Yeah, it's you know just. But that's good because I disagree with what they're saying. So I don't want to give them lighting tips or, <laughs> you know. If you, if I, you, I hate what you say, but I want you to look good while you say yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want you to. Yeah, I really don't want you to look good while you say it. Uh, keep that camera low, buddy. Keep that under under shot. That's the one that that's really makes it look like you're a stereotype. It's <laughs> a winning shot. Is yeah. It? I've not seen any of these videos, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's occasional ones where it's like, you know, about someone I know or oh, someone okay. I'm married about. And then, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and I don't watch all of them. I'll just like, I, just, and I don't watch the whole thing because mm. I'll just like skip ahead and just like skip t- yeah. 10 minutes. What are they talking about? Are they matter now? Are they, uh, are they, what What are they like now? Eh, okay. Well, this was nothing. And uh, and off you go. And it always is nothing. It's what? absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. It was kind of like last night, uh, a friend of ours I don't want to say his name on the show, but we got we kind of got into it on about uh, the Last Jedi. Okay, because I'm a big fan of that film, and he is not a big fan of that film. He feels it betrayed his Star Wars fandom. Okay, and I don't, I'm not a Star Wars fan in that way, so there's no 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 betrayal. I just you know, okay. to, to me it, it just gave me what I wanted from as a movie. You know, I had no expectations walking in. And I wasn't walking going, Luke Skywalker is going to be this in this movie because I read Star Wars theories and it said that you know. So I just enjoyed it. Uh, but this he, is one from the director of uh, Knives Out, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's no, that right. was my favorite. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's a great movie. No. And if you don't like it, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so he doesn't like it. Sure. And he's like, well, haven't you watched any videos about it? I didn't want to say to him, well, I have watched a few, but as soon as they start insulting women, I turn them off. Because then I just know what they don't like about the movie is that women have a prominent role in the film. You know, so if people don't like Rose or they don't like Laura Dern's character, it's because, mostly it seems because they're women. Yeah. And that's their objection. So why... What do I? What am I getting from this review? So you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue watching it. And sort of the same with these comic gates one. Like, it just sounds like as soon as I start listening to it, that they're gonna reveal why they don't like these comics, which is probably something to do with women. And then I'm gonna be well, that's that's your reason. Then that's no reason at all. So it is. I I had no need to go on. It's the toxic nature of uh, nostalgia that just makes you feel like you know you're owed you're owed something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm a person that uh, got steamed at the end of uh, Man of Steel. I booed. <laughs> um, just because I thought he it was literally something. Booed. I, I went. Boo. 
just because it was something so out of character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just the, it's just the toxic nature of uh, nostalgia that mm-hmm. you're like. You can't be open to something new being at and, sure. and you know sure yeah. But you wouldn't have you wouldn't have rejected the film if they did uh, Woman of Steel and decided to make Superman into a into a female character. Like that's not going to s- mm-hmm. boil your boil your beans or whatever it does. <laughs> Sorry, is that what you should do? I guess you should do that to beans. Otherwise, they're just they're they're seal beans. You yeah. can't you can't You're right. eat them. That's it, probably good. It's good if you boil your beans anyway. Yeah, without getting too into it. Uh, it's kind of how I felt about um, uh, the Ghostbusters movie that was up. So I don't want to do any spoilers, spoilers on that. Mm. Except it really did feel like, oh, this is such... Like, I know people took it as positive nostalgia. But I took it as really toxic nostalgia. Mm. And the and the super ironic element to it is ghosts are basically nostalgia. Ghosts are something that, sh- uh, you know, was the past that should have moved on, mm-hmm. but has not moved on. Yeah, it's yeah. still hanging around <laughs> to the point where it's yeah. a detriment and it's, it's causing damage on the things that are now. Sure, sure. And the Ghostbusters job is to get rid of the nostalgia. Yeah. You know, and just and put it in a box. We're going to put it in the basement. You know where it is. If you need it, it's there. Yeah. But we don't want it all around the house anymore because <laughs> we got to put it away to move on yeah. with our lives. Make it a mess. And, uh, and this one just felt just like, let's empty all the boxes. <laughs> Let them all go around the house and, and, and see all the same things that you've seen yeah, that's before. A, that's a good like, point. Yeah. Good and point. also, let's not make it a comedy. It's not a comedy at all. Well... Or has like funny moments. There's literally but not. Uh, most of the jokes are someone saying, "Would you like to hear a joke?" And oh. then they say, "Tell you a joke." I mean, oh, obviously, you got Paul Rudd there, who's you know lightly funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there's there's no one's no one's doing comedy. No one's yeah. It's 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 done very seriously mm. and with great reverence. <laughs> I'm glad because that's what the movie. Everyone has powerful hands through the film. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I'm just going to real quick. Yeah. What I compared it to, because uh, a person I know and like uh, liked it. Mm-hmm. And I said, it was like if you did a remake, like if you did a sequel to Night at the Opera. Mm-hmm. But everyone took what happened that night very seriously. And these are the children of the Marx Brothers. And it's not a comedy. <laughs> and they just keep talking about... And remember yeah. when Harpo swung through the things? And someone's got to now swing through the rafters, but seriously. Yeah. yeah. Really seriously. <laughs> and, you know, they'll see, like, uh, Harpo's horn, you'll see in the, uh, like, it's up there. And like, oh, he left his horn. Remember him? Yeah. Harpo. What happened? Well, the Marx Brothers all hated each other by the end. They all just hated each other. Oh, that's too bad. But they did save the opera that night. Yeah, the opera was the thing. They loved the opera. <laughs> God, they love the opera. Anyway, that's that'd be what it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Well, I I have no intention of seeing it in the theaters necessarily, but eh. if it's on TV, I'll watch it just yeah, so yeah. I can I can comment. It's stuff. It's in color. It's in focus. There's enough <laughs> things that are charming about it, but uh, just the every choice they made, pretty much, I was like, really, that's the way you want to go with this? Mm. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, you may be curious, I don't, yeah. but I don't intend to go see it in the theater. So. Yeah. I, I mean, as much as I understand uh, you didn't like it and a lot of people didn't like the last movie, I thought at least they took a swing. They took a swing and <laughs> they might have missed. Yeah. Uh, you know, more often than they hit, though, I watched it on TV the other night and was like, there's a lot of hits here. But, <laughs> but They're wearing you down. But this one just went, we're not going to swing. We're just going to be very reverent. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you like about Ghostbusters? Well, I love New York. Okay, we're not going to be in New York. What'd you love? I love the Ghostbusters. Well, do you like kids? 
What do you mean? How about the, is there a bunch of kids in it? Oh, so what? What uh, are they doing? Ghostbuster type things? Well, they they find stuff like what? Ghostbuster stuff. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Sounds... What happens? They're just very reverent with it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's very it's very serious, very solemn. Just like you like your Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's what Bill Murray's character was all about. Yeah. Reverence. Reverence. <laughs> the most respectful. Re- most respectful, reverent character you've ever yeah. seen in a movie. And you're just like, what the hell was this? Was was this directed by like, you know, the director's son or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So it okay, well, hope his dad liked it. <laughs> yeah, apparently he did. It's nice. I'm glad he did that for his dad. Yeah. Uh, how much are movie tickets? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's true, actually. Boy, that's that's your real criticism nowadays of movies. Is how much did I pay to see this? Yeah, enough that I don't even want to look. Mm. Just like, just take your card. Beep. Okay, that just I'll take the ticket. Let's go see it. You know, they they cost so much the popcorn looks cheap now. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Yeah, that's popcorn right. Popcorn was the insane. That used to be the joke. That's yeah. right. But now, and now it's just like you already opened the money bucket, <laughs> and it's just pouring out. Fine. I guess that I. I mean, that's why I like going to that movie theater in Chilliwack. Or like going to Cottonwood is it's reasonable. It's seven fifty if unless you go on a Tuesday when it's four dollars or something like that. Yeah. So it's nice to go to two of you go to a movie. It's fifteen dollars. Obviously, we'll get popcorn, and that does jack up the price a bit. But I feel like I'm supporting them by doing that. So I think it was like all for it. three movies for five dollars at the Paradise. Paradise yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's one of those things from when I was a kid. Uh, where it's like that's where I like started to like movies, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't just going to see movies that I would like to see, you know. It's like, well, I'm here, <laughs> I might as well stick around for this thing that I normally wouldn't see. Yeah, and it's like, oh, now I'm exposed to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, this is something I like. Yeah, because I mean, now I can't see how you would ever go to a movie that you were not convinced that you would love. Yeah, because yeah. why would you? Spend money on an experimental like I'm. I'm really glad I went to see Pig this year, uh, and I was just like so into like going to a movie theater and seeing a movie. Yeah. But like, why? Why? How can you convince a person to go see like you know this movie about a guy who loses his pig and tries to find his pig? <laughs> how much is it? Oh, uh, you know, it's like your normal sixteen dollars or whatever a movie is. Well, no, of course I'm not going to go yeah. see that. Yeah. There's TV. Why would I see that? But you know, you they go. went. They got you. Yeah, and I liked it a lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I just didn't have a chance to see it. I didn't really play anywhere where I live. That we're, was... we're a year that had pig and lamb. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. It just went through the whole old McDonald. <laughs> I have not seen lamb either. I have not either. I have a, and I'm wrong, I'm sure, about what it's about. Mm. But but they, and they always say, like, go in cold. Don't know what it, don't, mm. don't ask what it's about. Just go in, watch it. And, but it's a horror movie yeah. about a lamb. Mm. And so my pitch would have been if you told me this, I would say like, okay. So what I would think is like, uh, you know the idea of a sin eater, right? Are you familiar with those? Sure. Okay. So yeah, a uh, community puts all its sins into an animal and then slaughters the animal. Yeah, scapegoat. Sorry. Scapegoat. That's yeah. where scapegoat comes from. What if the goat got away? Oh. And the goat was like full of your <laughs> sins and knew and knew what was what. Yeah. And you know, it was like so it just began this incredibly evil goat that knew everything that you did and also had all of your evil impulses and urges. And you know, it was go- but it still looked like an adorable little goat. Lamb. Sure, lamb, goat. Yeah. Is that a baby goat is a lamb? 
No, no, but you said you. There was a, the movie's called Lamb. Oh, so sure, sure. Uh, so, and and it's uh, literally on the lamb. And so this adorable <laughs> lamb is uh, is out there doing uh, horrible things. All the all the different sins of the community, and it's repeating things that they've done. So yeah. like, there's some crimes, and like, well, this was like that crime. And the one guy's like, I don't know, that was a crime I did. <laughs> oh boy, we got to kill this lamb. Yeah, yeah. But the lamb knows everything you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, it knows, and so it it kills people because it knows them so well. Like mm. it knows where you'll hide. It knows what you're allergic to. It knows everything about you. And the lamb's coming for you. Wow. Ah, you just hear that. <laughs> last thing you hear before you die. <laughs> I'm bad to the bone. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Then at the end, they kill the lamb, and someone eats like the lamb chops, and mm. then they're infected with the sin because <laughs> they don't know. That's good. They don't know. Yeah, I like it. Get on it. All right, greenlight it and <laughs> give me some funding. <laughs> I can greenlight it. I can't give you any funny. I can greenland it. That means you'll get a movie on Prime. I wonder when uh, people, uh, uh, you know, uh, petition to get like a new, uh, like a traffic light. Yes. And like, does the green light get a green light? Yes. Like from, yeah. It does, it's literally. This might be one of the only things that gets its own thing. <laughs> it does. We had one put in in Aldergrove recently through the activities of people who wanted a light there. The jerks. Oh, you're anti-light? Well, I just feel like there's a lot of lights in that area that they could have just skipped that one and had a, you know what I mean? Like They never take a light away. They No, once you have a light in, that's it. You're fucked. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing kills traffic faster than a light. That's for sure. Or actually, a four-way stop sign that kills traffic. Oof, that's bad. Light's a slightly better, but I don't. Know, it just feels like you're trying to go somewhere, and then there's this light turns. You're like, why did the light turn? Oh, because someone's turn making a left turn onto the road you're on. Well, they didn't need to have a light turn on, so a person can make a left turn. Feels like the technology should have gotten to the point now where people don't have to like run out of their cars and hit the pedestrian button and then run back into their cars. <laughs> but it seems we still have not gotten to the point where that is the case. It's like people just frantically running, yeah, then frantically running back, and well, uh, yeah, because traffic is f- far and away outstripped all the uh, all the infrastructure that it that it's using. But shouldn't there be like a little laser or something that goes like, oh, there's there's someone, the car is here, or mm. well, I mean, you could do that, but then you're just causing like mayhem because you know all the lights are constantly being tripped by cars coming up to them so the road that's supposed to be like the main road that's right. taking me well, i'm assuming we're talking about hastings street here so hastings street a four-lane road that's taking people in and out of vancouver incredibly busy all the time always at certain times of the day you know like they don't want to have too many lights because seriously lights are like a major road problem like in terms of like keeping traffic moving right you know so if you have too many you just end up with like you know traffic backups and everything so they don't want to have that. So they have them as pedestrian controlled. So pedestrians can cross safely. Huh. But there's not that often that pedestrians use them. So it keeps the roads you know, moving along fairly quickly. But if you had like cars tripping them all the time, because they want to make a, a right turn out onto the, or left turn out into the street. That's a different, whole different problem. Okay. Yeah. There's all time, right? Like they have yeah, like, I just, again, I always see people having to get out, physically out mm-hmm. of their cars and do something. Yeah, yeah, they're not supposed and to I'm do like, that. That's, of course they shouldn't, yeah. but otherwise you're waiting there for forever. Well, yeah, because the Nothing infrastructure, like I say, the infrastructure has is, in, is inadequate a, for the amount of If it's a rainy day and there's a lake yeah. by the uh, by the switch, or if it's <laughs> an icy day. Yeah. Uh, Jeez, sounds... Well, I've seen some people having some problems. Okay. okay. I've also, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm walking down the street and I get a lot of people yelling at me, push the button! <laughs> like, what? <laughs> push the button! I I'm love like, that song okay. by Money Mark. Oh, there you are. I was thinking of it as a reference to Mystery Science Theater. 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. The right. push the button, Frank. Oh, okay. Of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push an elephant. Yeah. Let's just let me, well, let me just kind of, kind of. I was, I wanted to uh, come into this because I was just gonna yeah. say that if people haven't picked up our earlier discussion about church, uh, it's a Sunday today. We're we're recording yeah. three days later than we normally would. And uh, why is that, Ian? Uy. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, thanks to our friend Sarah for sending in a little uh, uh, thing we'll talk about uh, later on, Ooh, um, I miss, I miss which, which does relate to things. Um, I think I mentioned uh, on a preview, I don't know if I mentioned I was going in this week for a cardio version, but I mentioned I was going in for a cardio version, which was supposed to be at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, cardio version is where they uh, reset your heart, basically give you a little electrical shock, and it restores the, as my wife says, restores your heart to its factory settings. <laughs> and the way my heart's yeah. gone for pro- probably about 15 years is uh, the occasional skips. And uh, and when uh, when we went through COVID, it uh, it got, uh, uh, I guess, worse and uh, my heart rate sped up. Okay. And so it's like the uh, the skips aren't as big a deal, but the going too fast makes your heart work too hard. Yeah. So, um, but it's all part of something called AFib, arterial uh, fibrillation. So, um, uh, I was going to be going in at the end of the year, but someone uh, couldn't make it to their appointment. So, they this were... is the, the plus side of, of us being isolated from the rest of BC is that people who are coming in from... Oh, that's possibly what it was. The interior from the Okanagan or wherever, they, they can't make it in right now. That is, so. a, that is a possibility that that could have been why it was. So, uh, so but uh, they said we could do it, but it was on my wife's birthday. Uh, and, uh, but I, I decided, ah, you know what, let's get this over with. Let's get it done. Anyway, so I'm going to go through this real, real fast. Uh, let me just skip to the end. I'm okay. Um, <laughs> well, you are here, but here. Not, don't skip too fast. Cause I want to, no, I do want to, but I don't want to be this, one of these storytellers that tells the whole story and it's just like, huh? How are you? I want to let let people know. Well, that, you're talking, so I think we know that you're. No, that's not necessarily the okay. case. I was talking during bad times too. Okay. Um, so here's 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 what went went down. So I went to uh, the um, uh, the cardio clinic and uh, uh, in the morning, first thing in the morning, and uh, they uh, did the procedure. They give me the drug that knocks you out. And uh, gave me the zap, and uh, uh, the AFib went away, and my wife was there with me, mm-hmm. and it was it was really beautiful. It was nice. I the, the one problem I had was I could hear the beep like next to me, and mm. I kept thinking it's going to go out of rhythm, and I can't stand the idea that it's going to go out of rhythm, mm. and I know it's going to go out of rhythm, and it was like fuck, it's going to go out of rhythm, and my heartbeat was uh, was above a hundred uh, traditionally. Or it would go above 100 quite often. Yeah. And I saw it, it was like at 72, 75, 72. It was like, oh, this is this is all good. And it all seemed to work out. And, you know, everything was fine. And then in the afternoon, I went home and uh, and took a nap and was woken up by some stressful news, uh, which I think might have set something off. Hmm. Uh, it was a phone call from my mom because oh. I had sent a note. To my step, uh, I'm estranged from my mom. Yeah, uh, and so I sent a, a note to uh, my stepfather, letting my mom know that I was going through this. Yeah, and so she kind of panicked and called from uh, payphone because she can't call from her house because he won't let her talk to me, and and she was in tears, and I had to calm her down, and it was rough, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was rough. It was a rough phone call. Um, so there's that, and then I checked my pulse and it's starting to skip 
Mm. And but not much. It's still it's still low, but it's starting to skip. And then uh, I make a cake for uh, for Pia. We're gonna have a birthday party in two days, so I'm helping clean up. Yeah, which may have been like too much exercise. I'm not sure. Uh, but I make her a chocolate cake, and I have a piece of the chocolate cake. And after that, my heart rate goes up to 158. Mm. It's like just it's to the moon yeah so i'm going okay i'm going to do some breathing exercises here and so i I kind of breathe my way down to where it seemed reasonable then the next day uh it was just all over the map it was like up it was down it was up it was down and yeah i was kind of heartbroken about that that was like yeah literally uh but i was like (laughs) damn it Mm -hmm. you know that it didn't it didn't take didn't take yeah. yeah which was uh really 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 annoying so I go to yeah. a local clinic. I called um, the cardio uh, cardio nurse that uh, is kind of my contact through all this stuff and mm-hmm. told her about the skipping when it was happening in the afternoon. And she said, you should go in for an ECG in the next couple of days. And so the next, the next day I, I went for an ECG at uh, my local clinic here. And uh, they said uh, that, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it took. Mm. So, uh, but we can't really send you home with you know this high heart rate so you know you gotta go to the er so i had to go to the er mm. the whole thing you know get in the row sit down and they asked me do you want to have another cardio version and i like do you think that would work and they're like it's it's worth a try so uh they they set me up for another and they were saying they were going to give you th- you know maximum three shocks and and see if it works and uh the problem was they didn't give me enough drugs Okay. So um, they didn't give me enough drugs. So when they did do that first shock, mm. uh, I felt it. And I knew the next one was coming. Yeah. And I am still a mess about that. Wow. Like I still am flashing back to that sensation yeah. of like the biggest punch to the chest that you've ever felt. You know, just your entire. And it was it's, it was this pain that was this dull pain. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in any way a sharp electrical pain. It was just this just dull force that just just hit you as hard as you could and then hit hit me a, a second time and then when i woke up uh because you wake up and everyone's gone mm. because they don't know when you're going to wake up yeah they told me yeah it it converted for a little while and then it went it went back so we tried a second time that didn't work so we're going to do a chemical cardio version and and try that okay which is when they can plug you up uh, uh plug you into some drugs but that takes like two hours i see and through this whole thing, I'm supposed to be doing stuff. First of all, I'm supposed to be doing the podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm throughout this whole thing. I'm telling you, oh, I'll be there later. I'll be there later. I'm not going to be there <laughs> later. Uh, but I'm also supposed to be getting things ready for the party. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm telling my wife, I'm going to try to be later later and trying to keep her calm about yeah. all this while yeah. I'm in the emergency room. Um, and so halfway through the, the chemical cardio version, the cardiologist comes and goes, you know what? We might... If you want, we can try this again, the electrical, now that you've kind of been primed for this. So it's like, yeah, okay, let's try that. So this time they use more drugs. I say, did you ask for more drugs? Well, he said, so you felt it last time. I went, yeah, I did. Okay, we're going to use more drugs. Mm. And they're all really sweet through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So they zapped me two more times and no dice. Uh, so again, you wake up with no one around you. Yeah, and yeah. And you're just like, oh, well, that didn't work because I mm. can look over and see that the thing mm. didn't go. Mm. Uh, and, uh, then they say to me, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to treat this, uh, medicinally instead. Cause the thing is the skipping isn't an issue really, you know, you can live long, happy life with, you know, a skipping heart. That's okay. What you have to do with that is the big, the big problem is, uh, 
that it's the, like the top of your heart is beating at a different rate at the bottom of your heart, and that can cause blood clots. But if you're on blood thinners, your odds of that are very, very low. It's less than one percent. Okay. So I'm on. I've been on blood thinners since October. So my risk for that is very low. That's good. Um. So uh, they said, but we got to get your heart rate down, mm. or or we can't, uh, you know, let let you out. And so it was. It was this thing of like getting this drug and then just looking at my heart rate for like hours and hours hoping it will go down yeah and it just was a psychological torture mm. of just like come on just like get and and if and basically if if it wasn't going to go down by 10 uh the party would be canceled yeah and it's my wife's 50th birthday yeah and we've yeah. been planning this for like all year mm-hmm. and that again was like a heartbreaking thing that was going to happen um yeah. but uh but he he felt like by the time it was 10 they they could like let let me go uh put me on this drug that does take my heart rate down mm-hmm. uh and and do the maintenance thing uh and so hopefully that's going to keep working i haven't been super checking it a lot just cuz it's it's kind of checking it is a, such a stress point yeah. that it like raises it up just mm-hmm. to check it mm-hmm. but physically i feel fine when i do check it i can feel that it's like at an okay rate mm-hmm. uh and the next stage will probably be something called an ablation, okay. which is yeah. um, you're familiar with this, mm-hmm. yeah. A, a, a wire they put uh, they put up you uh, and, uh, and it goes into your heart and it basically freezes or burns the part of your heart that is doing the little spasm. Yeah, and so it it stops that from doing that and and that usually takes care of it for a while but a crazy procedure it seems but yeah it works it's that's you know it's it's done a lot Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so it was a real drag that the cardio version did not take yeah uh i i i put a thing on facebook about going through it i got like so many nice comments on it and i felt bad that i had to tell people it didn't take afterwards yeah yeah and at the party yesterday having to tell the story a couple times but the bottom line is i am actually at a very similar place that i was after the cardio version on tuesday and that my heart rate is doing okay good and i'm doing okay good and even with the cardio version cardio versions don't last forever yeah none of these treatments last forever it's like you know it it, it, even with ablation even with uh even you know it 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 can go to the next stage of like a pacemaker if it comes down to Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's uh, that's basically what I've uh, gone through in the last couple of days. Wow! And it's uh, woof. It's been <laughs> a year, man. It's been a year. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and it, it, I really feel that it was because uh, of um, COVID. It was uh, I gained so many, so many stressors. So many stressors. I gained weight. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really bloomed up. Uh, well, that's because of stress, I think, though. It could could be, but also it was, you know, I normally swim and I normally sure. walk. And I it sounds weird to say I couldn't walk during COVID, but the way I normally go for walks is to go for very long walks. Yeah. And then I bust back. Mm. I walk for as long as I can, then I bust back. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I swim all the time. And up until recently, I haven't yeah, been yeah. able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, all of our work went away, you know. And we ended up in a house that's very expensive uh, to rent. Yeah, but we had a TV show in the future, sure, uh, which has now been uh, not renewed. So we're Speaking you know COVID, now trying to yeah. figure out other stuff on that. Uh, so yeah, it's just been a it's been a yeesh, you know. <laughs> That's been uh, but uh, this was terrible. this was 
really yeah it's been a, it's been a couple of days man it's weird it's weird even just to talk about it because it's the one the one interesting thing without spilling too many beans about anyone else is almost everyone i know has gone through something and this is the kind of story that they then will tell you their story mm-hmm. and you go like oh wow everyone goes through some stuff yeah everyone goes through some stuff and it's stuff that you don't usually bring up but uh, once once you tell this story it's like yeah i had uh, two heart attacks what and it's like, yeah, I'm going through this right now. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it does it does make you feel closer to people, and you're not alone. And sure, yeah. And it was really nice having the party yesterday. It and, was. Yes, that's good. And it was just being surrounded by like a, a whole bunch of nice, funny, kind people, and mm-hmm. just going like, and just them telling my wife how much they loved her was a a big thing for her because she's been having a rough time too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So that's that's where I'm at right now. You so. and I, of course, we crept around each other like two two billy goats at at odds with each other because we couldn't talk because we didn't want to spoil today's discussion <laughs> so we like we kind of avoided each other all night we just sort of saw each other in, in a glancing way but not didn't get to talk very much by the way okay. the party was wes anderson themed and everyone's costumes were insanely good except for mine you had a little fox uh <laughs> tied to your yeah it was i went as mr i went as a fantastic mr your fox. wife lisa was very great that was she great she had the she had a good costume for sure yeah yeah Yes, she she went all out. Yeah, there were some there were some just stunners. Holy moly! <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, yes, we had a lot of. It was fun. It was a really nice party too. I just want to say uh, I did. Uh, it almost sounded like I was like harassing you on Friday. I wrote early on and said, "Listen, don't worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow because I know you have the party tomorrow. So we'll do this. We'll do this Sunday so that you don't yeah. have to worry about any of this stuff at all. So don't worry. Don't think about it because I don't want you to be." feeling bad while you're going through all this stuff that oh we're not gonna get i was just feeling bad about everything yeah but you shouldn't like everything that i was wanting to do and in the middle of all this yeah i've uh in hell kitty studios here we've got like a little room Mm -hmm. and in this little room there's a little closet and in the little closet i set up a little office yes i saw that for just uh just total concentration purposes of just like going there no distractions Mm -hmm. no nothing and Mm -hmm. uh and found out an interesting thing, which is there's a lock on the door mm-hmm. that uh, and it just locked. It just locked. And so I was locked out of my office with all my stuff in it. Firstly, yeah. my medical information. Secondly, my computer. Yeah. Uh, oh, you were locked in it. You were locked out of it. I was locked out of okay, it. Okay. Vicky told me the story last night. Oh, that I was locked in. And the, the way office? it sounded to me, no. I misunderstood her and I thought you were locked in it, which sounds worse, no, way no, no, worse. No, 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 no. But this is okay. So you were not stuck no, inside. I, it. We were stuck outside yeah. and just going. Yeah, you know, because all my stuff, all my work, everything is in there, mm-hmm. and so I got to call my uh, landlord and uh, landlady, and she uh, goes, "Okay, I didn't know that there was keys for this, but I'll bring over every key we've got." Mm-hmm. So she came over with every key, none worked. Wow! Like, okay, so she went, "Could you look up on YouTube how to break into a door?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, we probably call a locksmith." Yeah, but could you just look it up on YouTube first? Yeah. Yep. So I'm looking it up on YouTube. And the whole thing, it's real easy to get the door off. Here's all you got to do, uh, buddy, is uh, you got to take a hammer and a screwdriver and uh, just knock out the pins. Yeah. And then uh, you're fine. So uh, hmm. so she, she... I don't she, see how that would work. So she... Uh-huh. So she knocked out the pins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all the tools there. Yeah. Uh, we knocked out all the pins. Then we realized, well, with the way the lock is, yeah. you can't pull it out. Yeah. If it was it... Yeah, because it's blocking, like yeah, yeah, because you can't get it. It's still, it's still wedged in. We there. all realize that mm-hmm. after this yeah, has occurred. Do. Yeah, and so I was like, could you look up another video? And like, none of the videos were like how to do this. It was all like, it's so easy to break in these doors. Just take a credit card, and all you gotta do is boobity bobbity boo, and it couldn't be simpler. And uh, so, uh, 
uh, I, I did convince her to get a locksmith in the next day. Did you say take a credit card and bibbidi bobbidi? Yeah. yeah. And bibbidi bobbidi could be, <laughs> oh, you just take a butter knife and, uh, you know, and it's like all the guys are just like, uh, you know, just look oh, like career criminals. <laughs> just like, and it's just as simple sure, to sure. get your door. Well, it yeah. was nice knowing it's not easy to get a door open. It is not. It was yeah. nice to, it was nice to know that much. But we, then, yeah, we, we had the locksmith that was going to come in, but the locksmith was coming in again the day that I'm, uh, going to emergency. Uh. So it's just like, oh, he's coming over. Is that okay? I'm like, uh, I've, I, this one I'm thinking, may, first of all, I thought he was just going to interrupt our podcast. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be, I don't think we're going to be home. Yeah. And so I said she could just let herself in if she wanted. And she was like, oh, that's great. I'm like, I don't, okay, it's fine. <laughs> I'm literally like in a hospital bed, you know, with, and the other aspect of this, which, you know, not to get too dark, but everyone who was around me was having an incredibly bad day. Mm-hmm. Like the person to my right, the person to my left, the person that I can see like across the room, all going through horrific shit. Mm-hmm. And then I get moved to another room and I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And then the horrific shit comes in that room with like other things. <laughs> and I'm just, Jesus, oh, Lord. So wow. so you also feel guilty while you're, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Just like, but this guy next to me, whew. This person over here, oh God, oh man, I'm just like praying for both of them, and I'm not a prayer, but I am praying for both of them, and uh, and yeah, so you're going through the psychological side of all this. Meanwhile, like, uh, yeah, we're gonna get the door and the <laughs> fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, my phone's my phone's going out of juice. I got like two percent. I'm like saving it for like you know when I know know something. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, well, my yes, so my advice, short term advice is. If you're being uh, having like electricity go through your chest, mm-hmm. uh, be unconscious if you can. Yeah, that sounds That's like a tip. plan. That's good I've tip. got uh, I got a, a nice uh, burn on the front of my chest. And I got a nice burn on the back of my chest. Did it go right through you? Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Yeah, they said it was weird because the the first one I did uh, in the it was it was like the Bizarro version the next day. The first day was like, hey, how you doing? Hey, come on in. Things are great. Everyone's coming out, just talking to you. How's yeah, it? yeah. Couldn't be better there. My wife's there. Everything's great. Uh, you know, there you might find a little bit of burning. Probably not. And there was no burning at all. Yeah. On that. Ah, blah, blah, blah. Afterwards, hey, you need a cheese sandwich? Probably has to have a cheese sandwich. You know, you got to walk up and down a little bit here just so we make sure you don't pass out. Ah, you're all great. He's great. This guy's great. All right, here we go. And the next day, it's just, whoa. You know? <laughs> it's just. But people rushing around, having yeah. to deal with 300, 300 different fires you're trying to put out. Yeah. And, it's like, oh, fancy man wants to be knocked out for. <laughs> it's painful. For for, for this uh, bunch of electricity through the chest yeah <laughs> oh, no boy, that was boy. one of those things like again when i came home my wife was going through different stages of this because of course it's like psychological mm. torture for her the whole day yeah yeah uh and uh, and then yeah i took off my shirt and she just gasped mm. you know because it's like, yeah i've got like a, a like a i've been burned oh, in the front, well, that's front what back, i yeah. take off my shirt well, and my wife handsome. gasps as well yeah so we're, I... we're very handsome men of course understood <laughs> okay Holy smokeities, bokeities. Uh But yeah, so that's where uh, that's where things are at with that. Wow. So we have told the story. Thanks. Wow, I'm glad you're doing better. Thank you. That's um, I was really concerned on Friday. Really concerned. So yeah. Hope you hope you felt my thinking about you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I was going to say I could have told you about the door. I remember reading in uh, Terry Gilliam's autobiography that when he was in college, it was a prank to tie a rope to the doorknob, hang a hang a the bed in the dorm room out the window uh-huh. 
and then take the pins out of the door. So when a person came and they opened their door, it would just fly off the frame <laughs> right against the window in the back of the, the room, which I thought was a great, great prank. But that's uh, a pretty good prank. Yeah. Nice. So that's why I know when you tell me that. It looks like it's the simplest thing to do, and it was the most difficult Mm -hmm. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever tried to break into a a house. I mean, not into anyone's house. I just mean back into my own house. By the way, this was part of the first day of stresses with the the mum thing and all the other stuff, and then locking myself out. Oh my gosh, yeah. So there's a bit of me that thinks like it might have been, you know, the first day back, you should really relax. And yeah. it was like all this different stuff. And also I was having to just move stuff around for the party, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I'm yeah. trying to like... No move. one can know we sit. That's, just yeah. trying to clear a little space. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. I know this is what makes me think of, because uh, the girls used to like this video. It was like a YouTube video of this guy. You know, this is a guy, but he's acting like a mom. He's carrying the vacuum around. Have you made your beds? You haven't? Throw them out. <laughs> Throw them out. What's what, you know, move these cushions around. No one can know that we sit. This is, Thing, all these good little things. You just want to, at some, at some point, have a disintegrator rifle. Just, like, <laughs> just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's just yeah, everyone. We can't. We can't be. I. I, I don't know. I think. I guess my mom was a person that anyone could come to our house at any time and it would be presentable. Yeah, that's from the era where. Yeah. I mean, again, we. Well, I am not of that generation. We've joked about that, like you know, it was the old craft ads when company drops by <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're required to give them snacks? The hell you are. <laughs> Not just that, but where are they going to sit? There's so many books everywhere. I can yeah, yeah, yeah. them in this house. What's this just drop by unexpectedly <laughs> business? I know. But I apparently used... people did. I was in the neighborhood. Thought I'd drop by, of course. Well, I've got coffee uh-huh. ready. How about some coffee and cake? Whoa, you got cake? for? Of course you got cake. Why wouldn't you? That's weird. I know. Lisa's mom and dad had people. They had friends who lived in the States who would come there with their motorhome and just drop by and stay for like a week. <laughs> And there's no warning. Yeah. It's so weird to me. I remember the very first time I ever cooked a turkey, Lisa's mom and dad were coming over. <laughs> I cooked this turkey. Everything perfectly timed. The turkey came out. The vegetables are ready. Everything perfect. Mom and dad, a half an hour late. <laughs> I was so mad. I had to walk, go outside and go for a walk and come back again. <laughs> this is so mad. And uh, But they just had some people drop by because, you know, it was Christmas Eve or Christmas yeah. Day or whatever. I can't remember exactly when it was, around Christmas time. And people just dropped by to say hello. And, you know, so they were kind of stuck at home with these entertaining some people for a little while. And then you're just like, oh, different generation, <laughs> different generation. Yeah, they're just dropping by. Like, I know you're a landline guy and you actually answer your landline. But it all it all ties into to that to me of just like, okay, you got to be ready at any time mm-hmm. for anything. <laughs> Anyone could come by yeah. at any point. Yeah. You're never relaxing. Yeah. Never. never. You don't know. No. We knock on that door. Yeah. It's dinner time. Ring. <laughs> well, are we going to answer the phone? Of course you are. You yeah. know it's yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> but you still got to answer but it. But you've still got to answer it. Yep, yep. Exactly. Why are you calling it dinner And time? now there's some people at the front door. They're going to try to give you a new religion. Really? Is that how it works? <laughs> what? It's a weird time okay. to come. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Have you heard of uh, Ultra Jesus? Yeah. All right. Hi. Yeah. We knew you'd be home. Yeah, we're that's Mennonites. Why, that's why we're here. And by that, we're the Mennonites that like hurt men. <laughs> oh, those ones. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Um, uh, uh, there was a little bit of uh, sad news uh, this week uh, where um, someone who is an old, I want to say mentor, but an influence of mine okay. uh, passed away. And that was uh, Rich Elwood, who was uh, the owner of Punchlines Comedy Club. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
he uh, founded Punchlines Comedy Club with uh, with the Ryan Styles in uh, the. I guess it would be. I wonder if it was like this. He used to. They used to run Punchlines under um, uh, where the Media Club I think is now, or I don't even know if the Media Club still exists. But like by the Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, next to the Queen Elizabeth, okay. they they ran like a comedy night yeah, down yeah, there, yeah. and then they moved it to 19 Water Street uh, in an old um, uh, meat building. And uh, there's a, a scary story about moving in there. <laughs> this but, one's right. It's, there's gonna no, be one ahead. second here. Okay, go ahead. All right, that was Dave cracking his neck. <laughs> he likes to do before uh, before story. Yeah, and it was kind of the first um, standalone comedy club in Vancouver. There's comedy nights. There was things like Tommy Chong used to uh, have like a regular comedy show. Uh, improv comedy show yeah. that he would do like in the seventies uh, with strippers, but that would be normally the thing. Sure, he would do improv with strippers. Well, that's what Lenny Bruce did. Yeah, he was an MC at Chip Coats for a long time, and that, that's where he. Yeah, and eventually you'll combine the yeah. two. That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, my friend Billy Mitchell uh, used to do a Peel of Fortune at the Cobalt, <laughs> which is a comedy uh, strip night, and you know burlesque. Sure. Uh, does combine the two as well. Yeah. But this was the first in an uncomfortable of, way. Yeah, it was kind of the first standalone standalone yeah. uh, comedy club. So when I first wanted to do stand up, that's that's where I went. Yeah, and you know. One of the first shows was uh, was Jim Carrey, wow. uh, and uh, and of course, as I mentioned before, uh, the big deal was he was dating Linda Ronstadt, and we're all like, "This guy's dating Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> a comedian is dating Linda Ronstadt. That is guys, a big deal. Linda Ronstadt, which of course is still a big deal to date Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. But there, then, holy moly, was it? And you were like, "But he's like, and she's yeah." I was going to say, there's a bit of yeah. an age gap there. There is a bit of an age gap. Good for her. That's good what honor. I say. Good, good for, for her. her. Yeah. Good Again, I remember one of the first nights I was there. Went to the bathroom. There was cocaine on the, uh, you know, the tank mm. there in the in the performers area. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where I did my first open mic show. And yeah, uh, yeah they had it. Will it was like a really good comedy club that sometimes you could get paid. Uh, that was sometimes <laughs> nice. Robin Williams would drop by quite a bit. Okay. Well. Uh, Ryan Styles was one of the main guys. He he got more into doing improv there. With a group there called the No Name Players, Pat McKenna from the Red Green Show mm-hmm. was a regular as well. Wow. Um, yeah, saw like so much stand up there. Met Dennis Miller there back when that was a good thing to do. <laughs> yes, he was going with a w- woman from Twasson, I think, at that time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, you know, asked him how do you get on Saturday Night Live, and he went like, "Well, send some stuff to this person." I'm like, oh, that's good to know. And I went to my agent and went like, "Hey, I should send some stuff to this person." My agent went, "Oh, you don't want to move to New York, do you?" Uh, I guess maybe I don't. It was like, "Good advice, agent." Thanks. <laughs> you don't want to go if everything's happening, do you? Yeah, you don't want to go. Well, do you want to move all the way to New York? Because you got to be serious about this. Nah, maybe not. <laughs> smart what kind of agent. Smart, smart advice. <laughs> well taken. Well taken. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Rich. Uh, I think what they meant was, I can't represent you if you're in New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rich was an interesting, interesting fella, and I did mm. uh, a radio show called the Kokanee Comedy Hour yeah, for a couple of years uh, as well uh, with him. There was a Punchlines TV show. I did his his CKNW radio show a couple of times. Mm. I was actually thinking about that. It was like I did his radio show a couple of years ago. That was the last time I saw him, and I was doing the show with him and Mike McDonald. Who has also passed away? Yeah, and it's one of those times where you just go, "Oh boy, these are <laughs> these are rough memories right now." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, it he he really made a difference in this town and really started that kind of scene. Sure. Then Yuck Yucks came, and I don't think they could compete 
with uh, with what they were doing. And well, Yuck Yucks had a had a yeah, they were very unfair in how they ran their business because they wanted exclusives. Yeah, they wanted exclusives, and uh, and what they would do would be they would offer really good deals to comedians to sign these exclusives. They would. Uh, you know, say for for like a year, you'll be getting this guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But then when the year was up, you're not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. And but you're still exclusive to them, and you're mm. still stuck there. And and by that point, you've taken all the talent from this other club. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There is that. So you know, we'll talk more about that when Mark Breslin passes away, <laughs> <laughs> which I hope will not be for a long time because he was also fairly nice to me. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, uh, so sorry to hear about the passing of Rich Elwood. Yeah, that's too bad. He had a uh, big influence. We weren't close, but he did like me, which was always nice. And uh, and he was definitely uh, a big influence on my life. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. That's interesting because we just had a rich die at our church. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want to say his full name, but he was the rich. And uh, you know when you go to a place for the first time, you know, if you start a job or you go to a place... And it's, it is the way it is. And you walk in and you're like, this is how it will always be. There are always going to be these people working here. And this is how it's going to be. From, and then everyone starts leaving. You're like, Whoa, what's going on? I thought we had a, an arrangement here where everyone's like, this is the thing. And what am I, how come I'm the oldest person here now? Or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, when I went to, first going to church, like this rich and a few other people were like the dynamic the dynamic people in the church like they you know rich was like he had been a navy cook and so he always cooked for all the big meals mm. that happened when we had our thanksgiving meal when we had our spaghetti dinner for choir he was in choir because his wife wanted to sing and he could not sing he couldn't carry a tune in a in a steel clad bucket like he could not he couldn't even find a tune if it was like placed in his lap like he no terrible but just such a big-hearted guy you know, like when you came, when you first started coming to church, he would welcome you, would come and talk to you and make you feel like you're one of the, you know, welcome there and one of the people there and stuff. And I've always tried to like carry on that, you know, part, that part that he did. And yeah, just such a big, big part of the church, like a big part of that generation of people that have started to pass away now or started to, yeah. to fall away from the church, you know, because they can't go anymore. They're in old, they're in care homes and stuff. And yeah, it's just, like I say, it's just weird, right? Because when you first walk into church, you're like, ah, okay, this is how it is. This lady... <laughs> This powerhouse lady, she runs the kitchen. This is her thing. She likes to make the cinnamon buns. She likes to do this. This is this is her thing. This is oh, she's got uh, Parkinson's. Oh, she's she's passed away. Oh, well, I guess that was fast. She seemed such a oh, it's weird. And oh, this person that oh, they're gone too. And it's like this yeah. weird. And now, now I've been there for so long. Now, like I'm looked at by people probably the way I saw Rich, you know, and which is disturbing, very disturbing. But yeah, it's just weird. You know, now he's passed away and it just feels like such a loss. It's weird, yeah, when there are some people that you think, well, they are there forever. Yeah. This is how, yeah. Yeah, they'll always be there. We'll always have have Rich in the kitchen. Yeah. Cooking, because he knows how to, like, make gravy for 400 people. Just just mentioning that story, I'm like, yeah, Mike McDonald, Robin Williams, Rich Elwood. Oh, my God, wait, I just realized (laughs) absolutely everyone I'm mentioning is is gone. And and you just, and the idea that they're gone is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like, of course they're not. That's silly. I can picture them. They're not gone. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And and you know you it's can true. always go with they live on through through you and your memories and whatever I and guess. the impact and the things that they have and so that's exactly way, what I, they wanted. They wanted to live on in your memories. Well, you know what? <laughs> I bet they did. I bet. I, well, I know, bet I'm sure they did, but also they probably also want to live live. They well. wanted to be live, alive too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, Lisa was watching Goodwill Hunting the other day. And I was watching it a little bit because you know it's on, and I was reading. Well, if but, she was, if she put it on first, then Dave, it's not your fault. 
She put it on first. Yeah, so it's not your fault. No, no. Wait, is it a terrible movie? It's not your fault. What is that? I'm just telling you, Dave, it's not your fault. (laughs) I'm just doing it. Oh, that's right. That's in the movie. (laughs) That's right. The Darwin Williams part. He breaks him down. Yeah, that's fine. No, I I know it's not. No, it's not your fault. (laughs) No, it's not your fault. (laughs) How do you like them apples? (laughs) I'm for oranges. Um, Yeah, I was just, you know, I was watching Robin Williams and yeah, you're thinking like, it's weird that he's gone. Yeah. Like, it's just weird that this person who seems so alive and so, such a force that, yeah. I have a tactile memory of him shaking his hand and feeling the hair on the back of his hand. <laughs> and as a, again, I've mentioned before, uh, that makes me shave my hands. I do shave the back of my hands because I'm like, I don't want to give that feeling to anyone. But he's so bushy. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, he would often shave his, uh, shave, shave his body for various parts. Okay, so I, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. He was all, he was always like super sweet, but you could tell that he did bear the weight of you know his fame. Like he knew who he was, mm-hmm. and you know what you you know when he walks into a room, he knows what this is all about. But yeah. there's and then there's times where that would go away, and you're just comedians in a room talking. Yeah, and then it's like, oh. and it's funny. It's like I've I've seen that people talk about like Paul McCartney that way. Sure, too. It's like he knows when he comes in a room, people want something. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna give them that. And I'm going to be, I'll talk to everybody. <laughs> and then there's a point where like, you know, he's working on something musically and it's like, he's just back to being just a musician trying to figure out yeah. this mystery of what this is going on or talking about a band he really likes or something. And it's like, okay, he gets to drop that. And you feel almost like you're taking a weight off a person for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as they leave the room, eh, we're going to put this weight back on you. Cause I, yeah. I think, I mean, I think there's always a consciousness of who you are, even when you're trying to be relaxed, even talking about music, you still are Paul McCartney and you have a weight, whether you want, because, you know, you have, you know, and like I was talking about before, I think now he's more conscious of like legacy and he's, mm. he wants to like firm up our opinion of him because, you know, he had the fortune to live well beyond John Lennon, but John Lennon is, you know, uh, now as a, you know, saint. Right. And he's a human being, and so it's hard to live up to that. You know, you can't you can't argue with John Lennon because John Lennon is dead, and yeah. you can't argue with his legacy because then you seem like a jerk. But you know what your legacy is, and you want to defend that. But it's hard because you have to you have this push and pull, you know, going on. And also, yeah, you're always competing with your own legacy. It's mm-hmm. just like people are remembering you from a different time that isn't what you are now, where you could do different things, but you want to talk about different things now. Yeah, and I'm talking about both Robin Williams and Paul yeah, McCartney yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, uh, well, it's weird because the immediately flashback to a, a memory of being in the punchlines um, uh, green room, and there was a guy there who uh, had just met Ringo Starr, mm. and 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 they were talking, and it was you know it was fine, it was light, and then someone mentioned that he was in a band, not Ringo, the other guy, <laughs> like he's oh what'd you do, um, and the guy was in a band, and he went like oh have you got to have you got any music on you? And he's like yeah I had to, I had a demo tape. Well, let's listen to it. And so he listened to it and he gave him some drumming tips. Oh. It's like, okay, here's what you want to do. You want to do this, 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 this. Because like at, at his heart, he's a drummer and he likes to solve a puzzle and yeah. he likes to make things better. Mm-hmm. And it just was really nice to hear that like there's that when you kind of yeah. connect with like, it's another musician. Yeah. Let's work on this together because that's a joy that he still has. Also, he's a person who lives his love and peace like what he says is he means it he doesn't just say it you know yeah. that's an important thing lots of people can say love and peace but i think ringo really does live that you know i was reading a story he was telling about his last time seeing george harrison and george was dying in switzerland of course he had cancer 
And this was his last days. And Ringo had come to visit him to say goodbye. And and he said to George, he said, I'm sorry, I have to go because I have to go see my daughter. She has a brain tumor and she's, you know, undergoing some treatment in Boston. And George's last words to him, do you want me to come with you? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so get a little profound. This is sort of so touching, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Like you just go, no matter what they were to each other, they were always brothers. Yeah. You can't, you can't change that. It's, yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about get back one of these days, folks, but not yeah. not yet. So yeah, Dave was uh, suggesting that to me, doing uh, talking about that, and then uh, but I had the cardio version coming up, mm-hmm. and I just had and and the party and <laughs> yes, you had a lot of plate <laughs> and, and too much on my mind. Yeah, yeah. but uh, absolutely. Just uh, let me just ask, like, just in general, you have seen it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, twice uh, and uh, it, fab. Oh yeah, it's really good. Okay, all right, then I will I will give it a watch. I highly, we'll... I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay. I think you really enjoy it, yeah. All right. Because, you know, you went, you kind of went on the trip. You went on the Beatles trip. with The Magical Mason, Mystery Tour. Completely Beatles. We went, you know, through their career. And you can, it's a great, it's just great to watch. I mean, there's nothing like it for any band. There's nothing like that movie. Mm. Because there's no footage of, like, the kinks in the studio in the 60s working on an album together. Or The Who. Or, you know, I guess there's the John Luc Godard film, whatever it's called, Five by... 12 or whatever the or sympathy sympathy for the devil because most of the film is about them working on sympathy for the devil but the problem with that film is it kind of purposefully undermines itself and and makes it kind of a boring process rather than an interesting process you know you don't you don't get the thrill of like the the rooftop concert that you get in that you get and get back slash let it be yeah what a great ending yeah exactly yeah exactly like all all everything everything that they go through all their feelings and everything, as soon as they're playing live, you can see, like, at first they're tentative, and then you see them, like, oh, no, no, we can do this. Like, we're actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, when you watch it, you're like, you're like, yeah, but it's not perfect. You can hear a couple of clam notes it's and stuff so, like that. It's so but interesting, it's so entertaining. Yeah. When you see people doing what they should be doing. <laughs> and and it's just such a beautiful thing. That does make me cry sometimes. It's yeah. It's just like seeing yeah. someone doing the thing they should be doing. Yeah. And that's yeah. great. And, yeah, because, again, what other album would end with a rooftop a concert it would be it would end with and we're done okay well that's yeah. good yeah yeah. yeah yeah we got that last one do you want to do some checks okay yeah. mm-hmm. it's all technical 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 and, and i know like you know and completely beatles and we disagreed on this but my choice of like my favorite film was let it be mm-hmm. because of that story i loved watching them be themselves like watching them work through this puzzle that they created for themselves that was a really hard puzzle that they did they made like they decided to like write rehearse and then perform live an album in two weeks like okay like that's so crazy it's like it was worse than chopped right like your idea of these fake fake deadlines that you put for yourself but they really like put themselves to the ringer to try to do this and that it kind of the wheel and then it doesn't really work out the way they want it to so you see them dealing with with a bit of a disaster like it's not a total disaster but there's some roadblocks in the process of doing this you know that they put in their way that other other things other factors but that it ends with this joyous celebration of their music and themselves mm-hmm. playing to London, you know, playing to people who are young and old. Of course, there's some grumps. Screw them. But young and old love it. They like, you know, they have like a section in the film where they they did some streeters while they were while the Beatles were playing. And so they incorporate those into the concert as well. So you get them talking to people in the streets. You know, do you know who this is? And what do you think of them? And, and young and old love them. Great. The Beatles. Fantastic. You know, love what they do. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's great. I, it's just a great moment. It's, it's, that's why I love it. That's why I love Let It Be so much. And I feel like, you know, it's just 
because of the circumstances of when it came out that you know kind of gave the movie like a darker tinge than it should have had yeah. if it had come out before abbey road we wouldn't think about it that way at all we wouldn't even we wouldn't even care about it in that way it would just be part of the process that led through that you know through that album in, into abbey road you know and whatever happened after that was no, no one's fault or no fault of any of a film or anything like that you know it's just what what had to happen i guess to, to, so they could carry on that's so cool but yeah it's yeah. well worth watching okay and we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about it as well in the uh, future yes but talking about things that we talk about now yeah we talk about things now like uh you know you, when you think of the beatles the first thing that comes to mind is uh, vampires <laughs> that's right how do they how do, how are they so talented yeah that's right they drank people's blood that's a fact about the beatles <laughs> I do sometimes, by the way, like uh, I'm trying to tie us into the Dark Shadows thing, but now I'm going to go back for a second. Yep. Uh, one thing I, I sometimes go down a rabbit hole of is uh, it's it's seeing the Beatles knockoff bands from TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, and just see like you know who who are the fake Beatles band on the Gilligan's Island? Yeah, yeah. Who was the fake Beatles band in the Flintstones? Who's yeah. the fake Beatles band over here? And just what people thought the Beatles were and how they presented a them particular like, generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were in. They were in Jungle Book too, right? Wasn't uh, wasn't there a bunch of vultures that were that's uh, right? The Beatles? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Eh? That is a is weird that... thing when you say that. I never thought about that before, but yeah, that seems like a weirdly topical reference for a Disney film. Yeah, for that of that time period. Yeah, I mean, it holds up better than Jim Crow in uh, in, in in Dumbo, mm. uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. I remember it's there's fun. a there's a beach blanket, one of those sort of ble- beach blanket films that have a band, the Potato Bugs. There you go. So yeah, that's that's my favorite of those those sort of things. Yeah, all all terrible. I always like yeah, I always like seeing the knockoffs. I like hearing the knockoff songs, and uh, that'd be an interesting thing sometimes. Yeah, to, because a good album, listen. like put together yeah, an album of all of the Beatles knockoffs. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they cool? said yeah, yeah, yeah. They said yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough about that. Yeah. Oops. What we it feels like. Oh, there you go, Dave. Take your book. Thanks. It feels like forever ago that we talked about Barnabas Collins and it his does feel wacky like it, adventures. It? <laughs> wacky. Uh, now, Dave has been watching uh, Dark Shadows on Tubi. You can follow along with him if you wish. Do you know what episode number you're on currently? Or uh, well, I just I think I finished at seven o two for this. Uh, okay. For this. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it was a soap opera that started off as a traditional soap opera, added a vampire, got very <laughs> popular. So popular that in the year 2021, we're talking about it. <laughs> still, still to this day. Yeah, you're thinking like, should this be a separate podcast? Maybe, but we're doing it. And uh, and here's how it goes. Yeah, so we're going to start at 698. So, okay. um, so yeah, I guess we, it's been a while. So let's just sort of give a quick summary of where we are in the okay. story, if I can remember. Vampires if I can remember like myself. blood, but the main vampire guy, <laughs> Barnabas, is no longer a vampire. He's no longer a vampire, which is such a weird thing it to do. It is such a weird thing to do, exactly. Especially when it was like a huge hit, and he's like touring the nation and all this weird stuff, you know, uh, hyping the show. And How did he the, get cured again? Um, he uh, the, that doctor, the doctor who kind of created the Van- that Frankenstein. I can't remember the doctor's name now, but Dr. I can't remember his name. But anyway, okay. Eric Lang, Dr. Eric Lang, who invented Adam, the Frankenstein character, he cured... Not to be confused with the Buffy character, who was a Frankenstein character. Because he, when he created Adam, Barnabas's curse was controlled by Adam. So as long as Adam was alive, Barnabas would not be a vampire. Oh. 
that was the that was the thing. So, but that that's an old story, everyone. Where where we are now is yeah. yes, Barnabas isn't a vampire, but we have Chris Jennings, werewolf. We have for hire. <laughs> werewolf for hire. Have werewolf will travel. We have uh, have moon will travel. Ned is Stewart the card of a man. Ned Stewart, his his uh, sister Sabrina. Who he's dragged across the country looking for 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 Chris because he wants revenge on him for whatever happened to his sister. He doesn't know what happened to his sister, but mm. he feels like Chris is the the blame for this because you know something happened to Supreme and then Chris left town mysteriously as he as he was wont to do, I suppose. We've got the children in the clutches of Quentin Collins, the the ghost the ghost of uh, Collinwood, who has driven the family out of Collinwood. They're all living outside of Collinwood at this point, but uh, so. We have the, um, so what was it now? We have, uh, oh yes, I think we finished last time with, boy, everyone, if I'm repeating myself here, I apologize, because I, I honestly don't remember <laughs> where I started these notes, but I feel like these notes are, let me just, let me pop ahead here a bit, sorry. I will hear nothing against these notes. They're quality notes. Um... Yeah, I guess that's where I start, started. If it's, if it's a bit of overlap, I apologize, because I, I wrote these notes uh, starting a couple weeks ago, so, so I don't remember where I started. Anyway, take off my glasses. Um, so, now, uh, oh yeah, the other thing we had was Maggie coming under the influence of Quentin Collins, who dressed her in, in um, I guess, 19th century clothing, and she was kind of in a state that she didn't, she didn't realize who she was. She thought she was someone else and didn't recognize Barnabas. And then when he like said, "Don't you remember me?" and she was like, "Uh, uh," then she screamed and fainted. But we go from that. We go to uh, Barnabas visiting Ned Stewart, and he's there to try to convince him to return home. He's like, "There's nothing for you here. What werewolves? Where do you get this idea?" He doesn't. No one's talking about werewolves, of course. Why would he say that? Why would I say werewolves? <laughs> he said, "I um, wants to return, him to return home with his sister Sabrina, who's." Taken to staring at the moon with great interest, <laughs> the full moon. She's like, "Oh, okay. it's a full moon going on." Um, she sees Barnabas's wolf's head cane, though, and she has a reaction to it. it. Seems like the wolf on the cane has made her react. Oh man, I feel like I've read this before, right? Does this feel familiar? I don't know. Did I talk about the party? So, Did I talk about it's a long time ago? Okay, let's just do a couple of past episodes. <laughs> That's right. Um, so over um, Barnabas's objections, Ned. Forces Sabrina to look at the cane. He's like, look at the cane, look at the cane. And the camera zooms in on Sabrina's anxious face as we fade out to a flashback. Oh, I'm certain I read this stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure I'm repeating myself, but oh well. Uh, so we fade in on a brunette Sabrina. She's no longer the gray-haired, ashen-faced Sabrina that we, we saw with her, with her brother, Ned. Oh, she had a makeover. This is, yeah, she had a, she had a, a make-under. This is going back in time. So, okay. So we're going, this is a flashback to when she was a fresh-faced youth. Not a wizened, wizened, wizened old, old uh, crone uh, sitting in the in a wheelchair. So Sabrina walks in on a horrified Chris. Chris is kind of caught in the flagrante werewolfio, where he's in the midst of he's getting ready to change. He knows that it's coming. He's got his chains in his hand. He's going to chain himself to the radiator. Such a successful thing that always seems to work for him. Uh, but she's used a key she's borrowed from her brother to sneak into his apartment because she has a bunch of party supplies, and she's going to. Put together, uh, she wanted to throw a surprise party for Chris while he was away because he told her, I'm leaving town, I'm going skiing. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking you with me. And so she's like, well, I love a loving boyfriend like that. I got to go and celebrate with, with the party. So she walks in and she finds a horrified Chris there who's just like, at her like whoa, whoa. and she's like, what? Well, I th- thought you were leaving town to go skiing. And he's like, I was sick. 
And she's like, well, why didn't you call me? Well, I was too sick to call you. Well, I could have come and looked after you. I don't want you to look after me. So now he has to like insult her, right? To get, and to try and get her. This is, this is another, his other go-to that never works. Yeah. Because whenever you insult the women on this show, they're all like, well, I'll stay around. Yeah, they like the negging. I haven't haven't got enough negative comments on me lately. I should just hang around here. So, uh, so he's starting to like, you know, turn into a werewolf. Like he's, he knows it. Like he can feel it. As you do. He's all like, you got to get out of here. Come on. Get out of here. Go. Go, you. And she's the real born free. (laughs) And so she finally leaves. She finally leaves, but she gets out of the hallway and she's like, no, I love my boyfriend. I can't just leave him sick at home. I got to go in and make him some soup or something like that. And so yeah, she yeah. she walks back That's into what he the wants some soup. She walks back into the apartment and and then uh, he's she walks in. He's a werewolf. <laughs> and so you know uh, here by the way, let me just say it's a bad idea. Yeah, if you like, you leave your boyfriend's apartment. Yeah. and then walk right back in. <laughs> yes, like. Because he'll be masturbating. Aware, yeah, him being a werewolf yeah. is the is the least of your That's problems. That's right. As soon as you leave, he starts masturbating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The women probably don't realize He's this. He's on Wolf Hub. You got to be careful. <laughs> He's on Wolf Hub. <laughs> and so, so uh, she's even more horrified than Chris, of course. So she begins to scream, and then the scene fades back to the present day Sabrina, who also screams. In the, I guess she's having this. She's remembering this. She sure. screams and she collapses. So. Barnabas then returns with Julia, and of course they want to keep her quiet. They have no interest in curing her. No. This is not what they're there for. No, Julia is not really a she. Her Hippocratic oath—it's now the Hippocratic oath. Get it, everyone? Hip. Anyway, um, I shouldn't have written that joke down. Let me just scratch, scratch it out. Just. Imagine if you've done that twice now. <laughs> That's even more horrifying yeah, than walking in on a werewolf. So, so they want they want to basically. Uh, Julia's there to sedate Sabrina, so she can't like yak about uh, Chris. Okay. Is the whole thing. So like she's all like, well, let me just examine her, and you know that it basically involves her like getting a needle out. Uh, Ned though, he's having none of this. He's like, my sister might finally talk about what's happened, and I don't want to miss this. So uh, he just interferes with Julia's examination, left, right, and center, and he's jealous that Sabrina might tell someone else. And not him, of course, as well. So he doesn't want to leave the room. And basically, yeah, like I say, he refused to allow her to sedate him. So having un- done all she can, Sabrina leaves some sleeping pills for Sabrina and goes, despite Barnabas' misgivings. He's kind of like, um, of course, Julia doesn't really want to go, right, Julia? She's like, no, I can't do anything here. I'm going to leave. I don't think you should <laughs> because we don't want someone to say things. You know, but she's, she, she's like, I'm done. So they leave. And they'll, we cut back to them at Chris's cottage and Barnabas and Julia are like, they're kind of fretting over Sabrina's possible knowledge of, of what Chris's true, you know, the truth about Chris and that, and their culpability as people have been protecting a murderous werewolf, you know. <laughs> uh, and then meanwhile, oh man, it's so weird. This actor, I can't remember the actor's name now, Roger something, who plays, uh, who's plays Ned. He's played, he played, um, Jeff Clark in the, in the, the, Ad, the Frankenstein taking the Adam sequence. And he played, um, in the past, Vicky, the lawyer who, who, uh, tried to, tries to defend Vicky in, in the, when she's on the trial for being a witch way back in the past. And this actor, I don't know what he's doing in this role. Like, he is like massaging this woman, like, like weird massages, like, like speaking of Pornhub, like, like those sort of massages, you know, 
those sort of massages that lead to places that, you know, you're just like, where is this show going with his brother and sister? Why is this guy doing a front massage of her upper <laughs> chest? Like, that is weird. Like, but he's like all over her, like clinging to her and like rubbing her. And he's all like, I gotta find out the truth about you. Rub, rub. And you're like, oh, it's so weird. Like Some dark shadows. <laughs> It really is dark. Uh, everyone, I've lost my place. I've ser- I dropped the book on the floor and I'm I'm lost. I'm lost. Yeah, just flip to the incest. <laughs> did I write it in did I write it in capital letter? Oh here it is, incest. Yeah, you're right. Um uh, nope. Oh god damn it. Sorry everyone. <laughs> I have What's your favorite incest based comedy? Lines back to the future. <laughs> I don't think of that as incest based comedy, but if you insist. Well, so. unsuccessful incest. But I, if the mom had I would call shot, it a I would call it a farce. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, my favorite incest-based farce. <laughs> Mine is uh, the um, the Jill Clayburgh film Luna, directed by uh, Bertolucci. I would uh, also there's another there's yeah there's another movie, but it would be a spoiler, so I'm not going to say it. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, I found my my space. Very my good. Place kind of. But um, find your mark. Have fun with it. <laughs> Take a deep breath and just go for it. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, he's. Uh, Clinging to her, rubbing all over her, blah. And then, uh, so he's like, you know, you got to tell me the truth about it. And he's like manhandling her. And ugh. he's like attempting to force her to talk. And you feel like he's driven less by a love of her, but more by like a hatred of Chris. Okay. You know, like his whole, everything. He's like, he has no concern for her, like or for her well-being or any kind of like, if he did, he'd just have her leave her at home where she's like this rest because she's ill. She's suffered an extreme shock that's. You know, driven her so shocking, her hair's white and her skin turned white. But there, he just won't leave her. So uh, when Ned goes to get water for her sleeping pill, um, she she gets up. He leaves and she's like, oh, he's gone. I she gets up and she walks to the mirror. And she looks at herself and she like, she sees what she looks like and she screams at the sight of herself. And uh, yeah, she falls, she falls down. Meanwhile, Barnabas and Julia go to the Collins family mausoleum to to retrieve Chris. Okay, he's been locked there. We've, it's a it's a family friendly mausoleum. It's a family friendly mausoleum. They got kids like can go the there. Ski ball. Yeah. they got some stuff for the kids. That's right. Yeah, a little claw machine. <laughs> yeah, mausoleum the mouse. Little entertaining animatronic. Oh, Mozzie the mouse. <laughs> Mozzie the Is this mouse. Your first time here. <laughs> Not gonna be your last time. That's the way it works. <laughs> so Chris is where they have the secret room where they've been hiding Chris during his transformations. Yeah. And so this morning, so like that, ah, he's done. So they go and they, they open the door and they discover that he still is a werewolf. Mm. He has not transformed. So they realize the curse is changing. So because Chris has transformed when there's no full moon. Now he's not transforming back with the with the arrival of morning. So they worry that if this continues, he will be trapped in the form of a werewolf forever. Okay. Little. Never heard of that happening, but okay. Well, you know, there's no set rules for these things. You know. Yeah, I wonder if there's any reverse werewolves who just turn into a guy for three nights of the <laughs> month. Yeah, that'd You'd be weird. Like a lot of work done. Yeah, you wouldn't. I think yeah. that might have been in X Files in the in the new reboot of the X Files. I think there was a guy uh, who was the guy from Flight of the Concords, their manager, and I think he might have been a reverse whatever monster and oh. turned into a guy instead of like you know, oh. turning into a monster. Cool. It's a good episode. Yeah, that's, that a good, that's a good idea. Uh, so back at the old house, Amy walks in on Maggie in her bedroom. And Maggie takes takes the opportunity to to grill Amy on what's been going on at the house. She's like, you know, you got to tell me about this Quentin guy. And Amy's all like, what? Because they're still they're still <laughs> under control of, you know, so. Those good dodgy eyes you did there. Yeah, that's, well, there's no uh, Quentin. 
Uh, I've never heard of him. Uh, so she tells Amy that she knows Amy lured her to Collinwood. Okay. But Amy is reluctant to say anything about Quentin, of course. As Julia walks in, Amy admits that she can't say anything about Quentin. So she does start to open up a little bit, but then Julia comes in. She kind of clams up. So she says, I can't say anything about Quentin because I'm afraid he'll hurt Chris. Mm-hmm. Because we know in the past, like, he tried to poison Chris for whatever reason. We don't know why, but yeah. he tried to poison Chris. Who wouldn't want to poison Chris, though? Come on. Uh, this immediately perks up Julia's ears because, of course, cr- like, Chris and Quentin, that connection has not occurred to her before because, of course, she doesn't really know about that. But this is very interesting because we know that about the poisoning and stuff. So she volunteers to bring Amy downstairs so Maggie can rest because Julia wants to grill Amy herself. Uh, Maggie gets in her bed and almost immediately falls asleep. Almost immediately I say that because she has a nightmare. Oh, okay. She finds herself in the storeroom in the West Wing. So in that room that leads to the uh, the room that has the secret passage to Quentin's secret room, I guess, is where she's, she's dreaming herself. So she crawls through that secret pad- panel into Quentin's room and his music is playing in there. So we have the waltz theme playing and Quentin himself appears out of the darkness holding the blue dress that she was wearing ah. earlier. But Ma- Maggie refuses it but finds herself kissing Quentin. So she's having a bit of an interesting ghost dream here, kind of a Dan Aykroyd dream. <laughs> but Maggie awakens and immediately calls for Julia. <laughs> yeah, there was none of that in the new movie, by the way. <laughs> no one reverently talked about... <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. I, don't know if, I don't know if I like the idea of reverent blowjobs anyway. She is certain that the dream contained valuable information. Sure. But can't remember it now. So she's like, I, so I think the valuable information is how to get into Quentin's room. But she can't remember how she got from the storeroom into Quentin's room. Julia asks Maggie to describe the events of last night when she was lured to Collinwood. Maggie remembers uh, the sequence of events in detail, but falters when she comes to the storage room. So she remembers everything that happened up to then, and then she can't recall. So then she recalls a tailor's dummy with a face drawn on it. And she remembers our good friend, Mr. Juggins, who, of course, was used to trick her into everyone going, this is who you thought Quentin was, a, t- a tailor's dummy with a face drawn on it. Of course, sure. that would look exactly like a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Easy to get fooled by that, Mr. Juggins. She remembers the storage room in the West Wing and the hidden room connected to it. So it all comes mm. back to her. But Julia won't let Maggie go alone because Maggie's all like, let's get over there. Let's, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go confront this Quentin guy. And Julia's like, no. That's not a, none of that. She goes to get Barnabas. But where is Barnabas? Mm. That's a good question. It's part of the, uh, the the book that comes with the show. Where's Barnabas? <laughs> where's Barnabas? Uh, is well, he sucking blood? No. No, no, no that's not what he does. No, no. Uh, he is um, checking on Chris, okay. who is still a werewolf. Julie finds him and they go to get Maggie. But Amy has gone to Collinwood to find David in the secret room. Because David's missing. The others don't know that yet, but Amy does. Mm-hmm. Amy uh, basically sees Quentin there, and the first thing she says is, don't blame me, blame Maggie. <laughs> you know, and so then she warns him that Maggie's coming, like with some other people are coming to there. And so Barnabas and Maggie arrive to find the open panel. The panel's open, by the way. But Quentin gets a crowbar that was left there by Amy, and I guess when um, she pri- pried it open, and kind of decides, oh, I'm not going to crawl in. This I'm just going to smash open more of these panels. So he like breaks down the wall even more. And they find the secret room. That was already there. But they, you know, he made a bigger, easier way to get into it. Uh, now, uh, what's kind of funny, though, is you don't really see this happen. They just, he just says, I'm going to do it. You know, then they, but they don't want to have the actual, you know, they don't want to be destroying their sets. So 
you know, that's not going to happen. So then they're just suddenly they're in the secret room. They call for David, but he doesn't answer. So we don't know where David is. Those then, Davids. Then they hear the sound. <laughs> Davids are trouble. We know that for a fact. Then they hear the sound of a door opened, and then the sound of footsteps walking towards them. Sounds like, like a horse. <gasps> Sounds like a horse walking. That's <laughs> exactly what it was. I said somewhere in clogs, actually. Uh, okay. And then, uh, so it's, they're coming nearer and nearer, and they're all like, they're both like, oh, "What is this? What is the sound?" And then the doorknob jiggles, and then it opens up. Who could it be? Oh, it's Professor Stokes. Oh, just hanging. He's fine. He's walking around. There's nothing scary with this house, I guess. I thought it was thought there was a threat in the house, but apparently not. Professor Stokes is walking around. He just happened to be exploring the West Wing. He says, "Oh, okay, that's fine." And he heard Barnabas smashing a it's, wall. It's healthy for a professor to explore. Yeah, yeah. It's good Both for them. the West Wing and his body, <laughs> which is why you never walk right in on a map you've left a room. <laughs> never walk, never walk, because he might be stoking it. Sure, this is called uh, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> so Stoke walks in the room and he's like, "Hmm, oh, I mean, it's like a caveman." <laughs> he goes, oh, "Me, professor, <laughs> professor caveman, come quickly." Is it about fire? Because that's all Professor Caveman know about. Okay, uh, it's about the wheel. Oh. Okay, professor, it is in wheelhouse. Wait. Me invent wheelhouse. Okay, Professor Caveman. Fire and wheel. Is wheel on fire? Because Professor Caveman can deal with that. <laughs> Stokes, Stokes says, he just immediately goes, a man died in this room. They're like, how do you know that? And he, uh, he says, well, I can just feel it. I feel that a man died in here. Yeah, more smell it, but okay. Then uh, Maggie says the name Quentin. He's like, Quentin, why do you say that? I'm so making him sound like a caveman. <laughs> why Quentin? Is it all cavemen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I like this show, but I just want to hear the adventures of Professor Caveman. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, tenure. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. they can't get rid of Professor Caveman, not with tenure. Try to bring in... <laughs> Me replace Neanderthal, try to bring in Cro-Magnon. But uh, Professor Caveman have tenure. But you know, the writing's on the wall. I mean, literally, the writing is on the wall. That's where we write. Me no can read it, but writing on wall. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you get a, a B. I have to go to class, Fire 101. Yeah, and by the way, when I say you get a B, I'm going to give you an actual B. <laughs> So, so Maggie mentions Quentin to Stokes, and sure. then Stokes is up to date. He's like, oh, okay, I, I got everything. I got it all. And so he idly saunters around the room. You know, we're kind of watching him going, what? Where is he going? What's he doing? And he notices a pair of children's shoes sticking out from behind a curtain. Mm. He pulls the curtain back to reveal Amy. <laughs> uh, without the curtain holding her up, Amy falls to the ground. I, I assume the curtain was holding her up because when he moves it, she falls over. That's it. Like, if you're doing the old standing behind a curtain bit, mm -hmm. yeah. would it make more sense to, like, lift one leg up so it just looked like there's a random shoe under there? <laughs> like, you wouldn't, like, see a, one shoe and just go, there's a person back there. Yeah. But you see two shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then your knee would be sticking forward. Well, you could put it sideways. I guess. Yeah. Contortionist. Um, yeah. So she falls to the ground uh, because, because boys just want to have fun. Sure. Maggie and Amy are sent back to the old house. There's nothing <laughs> they can do there. Let's leave this to Stokes and Barnabas, who so far have been wildly successful. Uh, they continue their search of the room, and Stokes makes a startling discovery. Quentin owned 
quote, I have to quote this because this is the most hilarious and ridiculous part of the show yet. Quentin owned, quote, the oldest book of divination and mysticism written in China before Confucius and the lo- and also the most dangerous. That's how it's described by Stokes. I'm talking about everyone, the I Ching. Okay. Quentin practiced I Ching, says Stokes. And Stokes thinks the book has the answers they want. Meanwhile, back at the old house. <laughs> Let me just say really quickly, uh, a bit of Wonder Woman trivia. Uh, uh, when she lost her superpowers yeah. um, for a while and they wanted to make her like a Diana Rigg type character, mm-hmm. uh, I Ching was her trainer. <laughs> you know, well, the 60s, the I Ching was kind of became sort of yeah. a, a popular thing. Like, like with the Zodiac, like horoscopes became popular in the 60s. Like astrology became very popular in the sixties, and also people used the book, a book of the a book of I Ching, yeah. as a divination book. So it was so popular. Like there was like a magazine in New York called Yellow Stocks because or Yellow Stocks, sorry, Yellow Stocks because that's what you used as part of the divination technique. You would throw Yellow Stocks, yeah. and how the the form they made would form the pattern you'd look up in the I Ching. You could also use coins. You could throw coins, and then you would read the the, the description, and that would. You know, you would try to uh, figure out from this very vague just pa- paragraph what you should do or how you should p- do that day or whatever, or what make whatever decision you wanted to make based on this this book of divination. Um, yeah, like uh, Philip K. Dick wrote *Man in the High Castle* by throwing the I Ching. Oh. So the character's actions were guided by by him throwing the by tossing coins and then reading the description and then having them make decisions based on that on that reading interesting yeah this was just a, a martial arts teacher sure. named e chang i just think because it was in the yeah. air of the time Absolutely. and that's what the, the the dark shadows is doing the same thing they have no idea what they're talking about they've i mean they do in a way because they actually do have uh stokes throw, throw a grid like throw um oh, he calls them wands but like sticks with with uh colors on them like either black or white in various places then throw them and then they they, they get the grid pattern from that uh, where it goes from there is absolute nonsense, but that is fairly accurate how you would Up to the point, use it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, back at the old house, Amy tells Maggie that David is at Collinwood, but only she can find him. Um, Quentin is trying to make David believe he is Jameson. Okay. She says. And the only reason we know about Jameson is because a long time ago in this show, not a long time ago, but, a, you know, a couple weeks ago, Jameson was written on a mirror. Yeah, and so that's we don't know who Jameson is, but that's that's her. So she tells Maggie that she has to find David, or David will die. And then she Amy smirks. I don't know why she smirks, smirks at that moment. It's kind of weird. Um, so Maggie searches Collinwood for David. She goes back and she's searching for David, calling his name. And uh, oops, I turned backwards. <laughs> this happens every once in a while, folks. So Got I back sh- in time. I should really, I really should learn to um, number my pages because I read these in such a weird way. Um, David appears at the top of the landing and tries to warn Maggie to stay away. But Maggie instead tries to convince David to deny Quentin. Okay. So we know Quentin's presence is nearby because the light turns on in the, in the, the doorway to the landing. So we see a light turn on. We're like, oh, I guess the ghost turned the light on. So we know the ghost is there. Yeah. Ghosts need light. That's an, yeah, that's one of the main things they do is turn lights on. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically the thing. So she tr- tries to get David to deny Quentin to, to, you know, refuse to be under his thrall, I guess, and come to her. And so despite Quentin terrifyingly opening a door and turning on a light, <laughs> David manages to go to Maggie. But that isn't enough. Maggie insists that David reject Quentin. And David does. And Maggie Lee briefly celebrates. But the door slams shut and David collapses. Mm. 
Later, back at the old house, Julia tells Barnabas and Maggie that David is in a coma, and she feels that he is still under Quentin's control, and also that he's dying, and he has only a few hours left. Barnabas has an idea. So crazy. It just might work. That's what I wrote down. (laughs) He and Julia, because it literally is crazy. Julia and him, he and Julia, go to Professor Stokes, and Barnabas has Stokes explain exactly how the I Ching works. <laughs> and so Stokes tells Barnabas that the I Ching is a means of sending one soul into the infinite. It's not. No. Uh, through the yeah. wisdom of the books, through, through the wisdom of the book and the use of the I Harmony. Ching wands. <laughs> okay. um, so they're, like I said, they're black and white, these wands. And the wands are then thrown where they can form the pattern of 64 different hexagrams. And the user, using all, all his or her willpower, pictures a door with a hexagram on it. Everyone, this is not, this is not what the I Ching tells you, but this is, <laughs> this is what Stokes is telling us. Pictures a door with a hexagram on it. The door will then open, and the user passes through the door in his astral form. Mm. Barnabas wants to know if it is possible to contact Quentin using the I Ching. And Stokes tells Barnabas there is only the slimmest of chances, and he would be placing himself in grave danger. Barnabas goes, oh, that's fine. <laughs> He's willing to take the risk for David's sake. Under, Bar- under Stokes' direction, Barnabas throws the I Ching wands. Uh, he gets Ko, uh, which forms the 40th, I think 49th hexagram, the hexagram of change. He then sits and concentrates, picturing the door with a pattern. <laughs> so we see the door, like the door kind of yeah. fades in. By the way, you guys can do this at home if you want. Yeah, yeah. I have the I Ching at home. I should have brought it in. Oh, I don't have it anymore because it's in a box somewhere. Fuck. Anyway, I used to have the I Ching. I was kind of interested in it. My friend, another friend I had who was a very skeptical person was mocked me for buying it. But I was like, that's kind of cool. Phil okay, Dick used it. Kind of yeah, neat. Yeah, there you go. Kind of neat. Anyway, um, so he's picturing the door. We fade in on the door. We're, we're Barnabas's eyes now. We're moving towards the door. We see it has the hexagram on it. And as, as Barnabas then, Barnabas appears and he approaches the door. The door swings open and Barnabas, and then Barnabas in reality, like with the Stokes and yeah. Maggie, he goes into a trance or Julia, okay. he goes into a trance. And in, but in his trance state, in his astral state, he go, walks to the door and through the door, he sees a chained coffin. Ooh. His chained coffin. Stokes questions Barnabas, uh, and he describes to he describes in his trance state. He describes to Julia's horror, by the way, uh, being drawn towards the coffin. He's drawn towards the chain coffin, and she's like, "No, Barnabas, don't go to the coffin. Don't go to the coffin." <laughs> and I was, I wrote, "Is this the return of Barnabas the vampire?" Because I was kind of curious oh, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on here. So the next episode starts and has like a super long recap. They basically recap this whole section of this. It's like four minutes long of stuff that we've already seen for the credits. After the credits. Barnabas is in the coffin, oh, trying to get out. He's like, he's like in the. He's not really in the coffin, so he's like, you know, clawing at the air, sure, sure. going, "Let me out!" Um, but he's stuck inside the coffin. He's then he's been there before. He knows what that's like. We, we cut to a we cut to a wall. We cut to a wall calendar that reads eighteen ninety seven, and then the camera pans across the old house, but it's not the old house we know. Barnabas's old house. It's all a wreck. There's like a bunch of junk everywhere a bunch of broken furniture the it, the portrait of uh of um whatever her name was so so, yeah. so long since we did the show what was the name uh, of uh, barnabas's love his true love oh my god Anna, no jay was a jay jocelyn uh, yeah no it doesn't matter 
Anyway, ah. it's gone. Huh. Why can't I remember? Yeah, it's gone yeah. from my memory. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. You know why? It doesn't matter. Uh, but the camera pans across Josephine? No. this messy room to a what I wrote as a swarthy man. Swarthy man throwing knives at a target on the wall. He has thick black hair and a big black mustache. <laughs> and his clothes are colorful and flashy. There is a woman as well. She's sitting at the table, looking into a crystal ball. She has long, dark hair and sh- showy, flashy clothes as well. Layered clothes. She's dressed a bit like Stevie Nicks. Anyway. Okay. Um, now, let me just add that they are played by Thayer David and Grayson Hall, better known as Professor Stokes and Julia Hoffman, Dr. Julia okay. Hoffman. So once again, we have different characters being played by the same actors. And just want to tell people that their skin has been made browner than it actually is because they are gypsies yeah which again isn't a word that we use anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's not a word we use anymore either but they are gypsies in the show and uh they have accents you know and they're all they're talking about their days as show folks oh i missed the days when i threw the knife and she said and i miss it too although i was afraid you're going to hit me you know and they have this like back and forth and they talk about their days and as show folk and and they decide that what they need to we learned that they are Sandor and Magda. Okay. And they were traveling show folk. And now they're kind of stuck. But their dream is to, she says, we can soon buy. And then he looks at her like, buy. And she's like, steal a horse and hook it to our caravan and go once again, roaming the countryside. Don't forget we're thieves. That's right. Don't forget we're also thieves. Yeah, wait a second. You're not really getting all of the stereotypes. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, yeah, so he they entered they you know wandered the land as a a knife thrower and a seller of patent medicine and a fortune teller. So and um, so they yeah so they, that's their dream. But uh, meanwhile they're stuck in the old house um, and I guess she is um, she's become a fortune reader of fortunes for the old woman who lives at Collinwood. What's interesting about this section, which I like quite a bit, and this was pointed out in the uh, in the um, Dark Shadows Every Day blog. Is that unlike the first time they traveled back to the past, which they were doing again, obviously, is 1897. Unlike the first time they did it, where they really, they really like baby, baby fed, like spooned, spooned it to us like we're babies. You know, we have Vicky there as our kind of acting as our, as us trying to figure out what's going on. The actors were playing, some of them are playing versions of themselves, like Barnabas. Others were playing family members, but it's all carefully made clear to us what was going on. This time there's no, Nothing, no helps at all. Like, we're, we're, who are these people? What's going on? Who's the old woman in the house? We don't know what this is about. It's very interesting, like, how they huh. purposefully kind of change how they yeah, approach yeah, yeah. this. That's weird. Um, yeah, he sold uh, Sandor's Egyptian elixir, by the way. <laughs> okay. So they start talking about I the fact... that's a pyramid scheme. Oh, boy. I'm still here. I'm still in the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, no, you're... Guys, thanks. I'm still around. Yeah, appreciate okay, back it. To, back to <laughs> appreciate that you're still here. Um, so, so... Um, Magnus, Magnus' plan is that they rob this old woman because she has, she says she has a ruby as big as a guinea hen's egg. I have no idea how big that is. <laughs> and you're a chicken owner. And I own chickens. And I, 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 but I don't know what but guinea hens have really gone for Does anyone really own chickens? Does anyone own guinea hens? Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Anyway, as big as a, as a guinea hen's egg. But um, so before they, they go out, they leave and go on the road, she wants to do this one last caper. <laughs> so she convinces Sandor... To break into the house that night, he says that classic line, you, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not, no. Not on a 70s show, either. <laughs> 60s show. Oh, uh, uh, still in the 60s. Yeah, that's fine. You can say it then. No one said, well, <clears throat> No, you couldn't say it. It was just a thing on um, 
on uh, Rick and Morty. There was a heist episode yeah, oh, where absolutely. everyone said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just trying to remember the first time I ever heard Son of a Bitch, and I think it was on MASH. Hmm. Interesting. And then they said bitch a lot on Saturday Night Live. And I was like, hmm. That's, uh... They do. They say a lot on All Creatures Great and Small as well. Oh, but. Yeah. With fair reason. <laughs> so we cut, we cut to someone knocking at the front door of Collinwood. We cannot see his face, but we can see his heavily mutton-chopped profile. <laughs> Wolverine. Hint, hint. Okay. It's not Wolverine. The door opens, and we see the housemaid, who we recognize as Beth. We've seen her ghost before. Okay. Over her shoulder, we see the visitor is Quentin Collins. She is, well, she's very hostile to him. She's like, what do you want? But... Uh, I guess it's water off a duck's back to the likes of Quentin Collins because he just comes all in, comes all in, and he's like, "Beth, why would you be mad to see me?" And she's all, "You are a jerk. That's why." Um, Beth. So, uh, yeah, he just uh, let's just put his character like this right now. He is used to not being welcome. Okay. And uh, he approaches life with delicious irony. That's basically his character. Sure. He wonders why Beth is still working there when he when his her mistress, whose name is Jenny, Jenny Collins, has left. Once again, we have no idea what any of these, who any of these people are. Uh, she wonders why he is even there, but he informs her that he has returned to be with his sick, rich, let's add that and underline that many times, rich grandmother. And he demands that Beth take him, take his luggage upstairs. And when she refuses, he twists her arm behind her back. Ugh. So we know he's a jerk as well yeah, as being yeah, a... Yeah, that's not good. He's a bit of a con man and a bit of a jerk. So he twists his arm, her arm behind her back until she... Uh, Till she agrees to, uh, to you know, to do what he wants. And she tells him that she will let Miss Judith know that he is home. But Quentin instead demands to see Jameson, who is unfortunately asleep when he arrives. Okay. Quentin decides to go see his grandmother instead. And so he leaves Beth with a threat and a come on. So he says, you know, you better play nice with me or you will be sorry. And then he also says, I think you're also mad at me because you didn't come with me when I asked you to. So after their scene, the camera pans I might say the most clumsy pan I've ever seen on the show up to this point. It both moves over like in a jerky way and also tries to focus at the same time. It's a real mess. But it does. It moves across. So we, what are they going to do? Shoot it again? Yeah. Yeah. No, what? Come on. The hell? No, it's not that important. It's just a pan. So, uh, but it pans over into the drawing room of Collinwood and we see Sandor uh, creep in through the window. Uh, we quickly cut to an old woman sitting up in her bed reading tarot cards. Okay. She sees a silhouette in the door doorway and she cries out edward edward you've come now i can die <laughs> don't you hate when you walk into a room and someone says that yeah yeah i always feel a lot of pressure Whew. of course i am holding a knife and a gun oh so yeah and i say yes you can die boom 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 and then i stab them a few times just to make sure sure yeah but uh it's quentin quentin steps forward and says you're quite right grandma seeing edward would be enough reason to die so he's a bit of a bit of a, a wit that's what you want when someone says that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for me to die. Well, here's a joke. Ah, all right. Maybe we'll stick around. <laughs> Where did I say it here? I think it would be enough to make them want to die. Hmm, hmm, hmm. The vanishing hmm. ghost page. Grandmother. So, uh Grandmother scolds Quentin for his dissipated lifestyle. <laughs> but he shamelessly flatters her. So she's kind of like, you're such a bad boy. And he's like, oh, but you like me anyway. And she's all like, hee, hee, hee. And uh, she picks up a tarot card off of her, uh, just like a, a tray in her lap that has the tarot cards on it. She picks one up and gives it to Quentin, saying that he is that card, the card of destruction. And Quentin claims to have changed, but his grandma isn't buying it. Hmm. 
He is thoroughly bad, she says. Um, he he used Jameson as a way to be welcome back home. So okay. he, he wrote her a letter saying, you need to come back and see Jameson, blah, blah, blah. But she says, he makes her feel young, while Judith and Carl make her feel like a piece of paper that's about to be blown away. <laughs> Which is a great description, I yeah. thought. Grandma. As Venom said, a turd in the wind. Turd in the wind. It's even, <laughs> even more evocative than a that's piece of paper. That's where we are now. Yeah, that's where we are now in her <laughs> use of poetic language. 50 years later. A turd. <laughs> a turd in the wind. <laughs> wait, wait, was that Venom or Professor uh, Caveman? Hmm? Turd in the wind. Uh, Grandma says that she must tell the secret to Edward. And of course, Quentin wants to know the secret. He's, tell me the secret, Grandma. Tell me the secret. She's like, no, I'm not telling you the secret. And then she pretends to be asleep. And Quentin's like, Grandma, can you... Grandma... And then she... Then she goes away because she's, and then as soon as he's gone, she wakes up and she smiles like, hey, hey, got one over him. And she starts playing with her cards. Uh, in the drawing room, Quentin walks in on Sandor, who's searching behind all the paintings in the in the drawing room. He threatens to turn him into the police. Meanwhile, during the scene, we then cut to Barnabas, who's in his chain co- coffin going, hey, what? I can't get out. And I wrote in, I wrote, he is in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> so Sandor... Returns, uh, returns to Magna, Magda, and tells her, one, that Quentin has returned. That's the first thing. A, sure. under a meeting agenda, A, Quentin has returned. B, couldn't find the jewels. Ugh. And Magda is disgusted. She calls Sandor over to the crystal ball, and then the camera zooms in on the ball. So it's, it fills the screen. And we see in the, in the crystal ball a series of images okay. appear that show clues to the secret room in the mausoleum. So it shows the mausoleum door opening... And then it, the camera tracks across the mausoleum room, and then it pans up to the lion's mouth and shows that, and then it shows the door opening. So it gives all these kind of clues. And so she's like, Sandra's like, I don't think that means, like, why would they be hiding, why would they be hiding jewels in a mausoleum? Which is a question people should have asked Willie a long time ago. But anyway, or a long time in the future. Yeah. Why would they be hiring, why would they be hiring, why would they be hiding, hiding. Yeah. jewels? In a mausoleum, which Sandor correctly asked this question. And Magda says, I'll go by myself then. He's like, all right, I'll go with you. Lazy (laughs) writing. How dare you say that about the show? Um, So uh, she wants to go right away, of course, because she thinks this is where the jewels are. Let's get them. Let's get on hit hit the road. But before she can leave, Beth arrives telling Magda that she's wanted at the old house. Or that Collinwood, sorry. They're at the old house at Collinwood. Uh, Sandor ends up going alone to the mausoleum. He opens the secret door. And finds a coffin. Oh. Chained closed. Ooh, oh, boy. He's like, well, this isn't good. No, it's not good. This is not good. I shouldn't. Don't open I probably shouldn't open this. She but shouldn't. Magda will be mad at me what? if I come back and tell her that I found a chained coffin yeah. and didn't open it. No, That's where the jewels understand. obviously are hidden. No, that's not how it works. So I better open it up anyway. No. So it's I'm going to open up this chain coffin because what? What? No! Why would that be threatening There's at all? Like, wait, why oh would you God, put? What are you thinking? And I'm a I'm a gypsy. I wouldn't know anything about no, cursed yeah, people and, and stuff. You know. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so despite his misgivings, Sandor breaks the chain and opens the coffin. And at that moment, an arm pops out of the coffin uh. and grabs him by the throat. And Barnabas the vampire is back, baby. We'll end that. We'll end it there this week, everyone. Well, that is nice to know. <laughs> because that was a silly yeah so on any of these websites that you look at yeah or what have you I add the one or the one yeah in the one website the one website i bother do they ever at. mention why they stopped him from being a vampire i think they well i i think that the heath they wanted they didn't couldn't figure out how to have him as a sympathetic character and also be killing people mm. so that's a real hard right 
you know, and I think they wanted to make him, because he was so popular, they wanted to keep him on the show. But you can't have a vampire murdering people left and right in a, in a small place hmm. and then not have like an eventual web of murder end up with you at the center of it. You know, so I think the idea was to, to get, get rid of that part of him, but we'll still have the character of Barnabas in the show. Yeah. He just won't be a murderous vampire. But people want him to but be. But people wanted him to be a murderous vampire. And so they're getting their cake and they're eating it too right now. Yeah. Or they're going to. Their blood cake. Their blood cake. Um, Delicious blood cake. Okay. So I'm going to go to the mailbag. Oh, did you ask my permission? No. Do I have to? No. All right then. Uh, last week we asked, uh, tell us about a pop culture knockoff. Uh, and which do you prefer, the original or the uh, imitation? Also, uh, we asked about extreme weather you've experienced. Mm. So we've got a couple of letters here on our Sneaky Dragon page, sneakydragon.com. And then Dave reads emails afterwards. That's how this goes. Yeah. Uh, our first uh, letter is from Louise Moon, who uh, had an amazing costume at the Wes Anderson uh, party last night. She did. Uh, he, she begins by saying, Dave, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that she's addressing just you and not me. Um, she begins, Dave, I enjoyed your uh, interrogative, or is that right? Yeah, song list. Especially, uh, when will uh, we be paid? You resisted adding a witch song. I can only think of Which Way You Going, Billy, 1969, by the Poppy family, which was a big hit in Canada when I was growing up. Can you suggest another one? Oh, I I can. I do think which way which way you going, Billy is a is a very good song. I would, might if I was going to include which, but I've never heard which included in that collection of like when I was who, in, what, where, when, why, and how. Yeah, I, but yeah, not, I don't remember which not a witch. being in that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I don't believe in witches. Okay. So, but no, the song. Uh, the other song I would suggest is the Nick Drake song from Pink Moon, the album Pink Moon, uh, Which Will, which is, right. asks a series of questions beginning with which will, like which will, which will. You go to and things like that. So it's a very good song, but yeah. But which way are you going, Billy? Also great. All of a sudden, my computer... And most importantly, Canadian content. Very nice. Uh, my computer all of a sudden went to episode 43. <laughs> all right, now I'm <laughs> Well, back. read some letters from episode 43. Uh, no, and continuing on Louise's letter. I preferred the film Dangerous Liaisons, uh, directed by uh, Stephen Fears over Valmont of 1989, uh, directed by uh, Miles Foreman. Uh, the former had a screenplay by Milos. Chris- Milos, so sorry, Milos. Milos. Uh, the former had a screenplay uh, by Christopher Hampton, which was adapted from his award-winning play *Les Liaisons Dangereux* uh, from 1985. The film's uh, production periods overlapped, so Valmont wasn't a knockoff of the earlier film, so much as a knockoff of Hampton's idea of adapting the public domain book. I preferred *Dangerous Liaisons* with its most more vicious uh, depiction. Uh, sorry, it was most a more de- vicious depiction of sexual politics among the French aristocracy. Foreman tried to make his characters more likable and sympathetic, but it was uh, like one cast of characters was fighting with daggers and the other with feathers. And then they did it as cruel intentions later in modern times. <laughs> uh, yes, I did collaborate. Oh, okay, because we talked um, uh, about a play that uh, that had... Um, we ha- we we had to go to uh, racial uh, awareness counseling uh, over yeah. uh, when we was working at theater. Sports. That's right. That's right. And uh, I thought Louise worked on it, and the answer is yes. So here we go. Yes, I did collaborate on the "It's uh, the Most Wonderful Year" parody that had ripped from the headlines "Asian Youth Gangs in the Lane" uh, lyric. 
The song was introduced as being sung by the Perry Como White Bread Singers, or something like that, to show it was about white people's winter worries, but that didn't take the sting out of it for the offended theatergoer. I can't remember who wrote the line, uh, but I probably wrote its rhyme, 42 Inches of Rain, uh, still relevant. Oh, yeah. Indeed, yeah. And she wasn't afraid to go Except there. Except for the use of the uh, imperial measurement system, which I didn't know the show was written in feudal times. Oh, very good. Yeah, well, Dave has found a reason to uh, disagree with that. Uh, the theater grower, goer also wrote that the sketch was homophobic, which I didn't agree with. It was about a dad who, uh, that a sketch was homophobic, which I didn't agree with. It was about a, a dad who didn't want his son to get a doll for Christmas because no son of mine is growing up to be a homo. Uh, to which the grandfather said, playing with dolls isn't going to alter his sexual orientation. And get with the times, the term is gay, not homo. So from that show, I learned that even just using a slur or showing a bigoted character can offend some people, even if your intent is to show the behavior is wrong. Yep, that can that can happen. Uh, you have to consider that as a writer, that as a writer, and be open to criticism. I did agree when they criticized our costume designer's choice to put a turban on a foreign exchange uh, student character who was learning about holiday customs from a dysfunctional Canadian family. The character, played by my mostly white brother, was from a uh, place between the Middle East and the Soviet Union, or as the dad put it, between a rock and a hard place. Mm. So uh, a turban was wrong geographically and from a cultural sensitivity standpoint. Our director of, uh, of Arab-Canadian descent didn't nix it, but later said he had his doubts about it. 30 years later, turbans are still a hot-button issue in Canada, especially in Quebec, where the wearing of religious headwear and symbols is banned for some government employees. Yep, so looking back on that play. I didn't remember the other scenes, but uh, but there, that was interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Edward Dragansky uh, writes, Yay, Edward! How are you doing? Oh, by the way, thank you, Louise. And uh, Edward's here, and we're always happy when Edward's here. Uh, last week was a blur, and before I knew it, it was Thursday, and we were feeding 13 mouths at my house for Thanksgiving. And too late to write you gents for the week. Let me first write what I planned for last week. Nina has such a delightful presence... And had I known she was going to read the letters, I wouldn't have used language. <laughs> I respect her choice not to swear, uh, so I hope my language didn't cause her too much discomfort. Nina is such a beautiful name. My great-grandmother's name was Nina, and I've always loved it. Nina brings uh, such a nice touch to the podcast and such joy. It's great to hear her voice. And Ian, you were damn funny in that episode. Yay! I like <laughs> you playing off Nina. You really brought it home. I was laughing at everything. You're a funny guy. Uh, followed by ellipses. So there was something he was going to say after that and didn't. <laughs> uh, last week was also my birthday. Happy birthday! And uh, the day before Thanksgiving. So we had to do something uh, for that too, since everyone wasn't able to make it to my house uh, on Thursday. I did have the opportunity to meet famed illustrator Drew Struzend mm. at a local gallery and have him sign a few things. The Galactic Gallery, as it's called, had the largest collection of Drew's original art, and it's breathtaking. Wow. This was my third time meeting Drew, uh, but the first time seeing it at this gallery. If anyone is wondering about Drew or the Galactic Gallery, here's a link so you can see what I'm talking about, and there is indeed a link. Hmm. I don't know if we've mentioned this story before, but we were at a poker game. Yeah. Uh, Drew Struzan's name got brought up, and the person across from us went, he was my roommate. Yeah, roommate at art school. Yeah, roommate at art school. And I'm like, whoa? <laughs> and uh, that story checks out. And that fellow's name was Marv Newland, uh, most famous for Bambi meets Godzilla, the cartoon. Uh, the animated cartoon, yeah. Oh, what other kind of cartoon are there? Like a drawing. Is it drawing? Isn't it a drawing a cartoon? 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, for last week's... Ad- but thank you for the specificity. I just wanted to specify in case people didn't know. Very good. Uh, for last week's answers, uh, zippers on pants, no zippers on shirts. All right. Very pro zippers yeah. on pants, not on shirts. Yeah. I have so much hair on my chest, like Dave mentioned, uh, even though it drives... I was women- talking about Ed's hair, hairy chest, actually. Yeah. Right. It was drives women crazy, right, Dave? Huh? Uh, <laughs> well, Dave? Yeah. I can't talk about it. I got my chest shaved this week. <laughs> Uh, I live just north of uh, Dallas, which is famously known for killing John F. Kennedy and well, I, I, for we, that dopey JR show. I was saying earlier that when I take off my shirt, my wife gasps. So yeah, it does. Drives them somewhere. <laughs> Before my knockoff story, Ian, I cannot believe the show Creamery was even allowed with such similarities to Why the Last Man. You can't copyright an idea. That's yeah, why. Thing, yeah. That's right. Uh, you know it. You know, we've had all the lovely Dr. Pepper talk. And you know Dr. Skipper. You know all the, <laughs> you know all the things. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit pissed off, too, when I see stuff like this from a professional point of view. In my line of work, we strive so hard to create and design with originality. If we didn't, we'd have our asses handed to us. It makes me livid when I see others getting away with it. We have such tight deadlines when it comes to licensing, safety, and other compliances we have to meet in the industry. I'm proud to say we're able to meet all these standards, but it still angers me when others don't. Again, best of luck with Why the Last Man may find a future uh, for all to follow. I hope it does, too. And I don't begrudge Creamery except for, you know, if it wasn't coming in right as, you know, the other... The if other it didn't one. feel like it had displaced... Yeah, why, and it might yeah. have had an influence on the on the yeah. situation. Uh, and you can, look, again, you cannot copyright an idea. Some people think you can, but you can't. Um, <laughs> that's why, you you know, you get the, the, the like-a-look uh, movies that are, oh, that's very similar to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I visited Disney World in Orlando back in 1996, and one of the best attractions was the Disney Studios. Uh, was the Disney Studios where I could go and watch the animators work? Uh, they were in a kind of pit below, <laughs> working on what was up and coming for Disney. Sounds great. The two being Hercules, which actually does have pits in it because it does have Hades in it, mm-hmm. and Pocahontas. All the characters have armpits. Okay, there you go. All right, I'm gonna give you a moment to enjoy that, savor it. And we're moving on. Uh, both productions were unknown to me at the time, and seeing them uh, work was uh, like a pre-internet sneak peek for me. So now I, uh, so now I knew what to expect from Disney in the next year or so. Uh, those were both public domain ideas, uh, yeah. Hercules and Pocahontas. Yes. So probably when we're talking about how you can't copyright an idea, those ideas were probably done many, many times before, as many, many other movies. But sure. it's time for Disney. But to- I mean, you can be suspicious timing when you put in a movie and someone else is also putting out deep impact at the same time you're putting out your movie it feels i am going to guess like most disney films and films that were very popular like around then there was probably a knockoff version of hercules that probably came out on video Mm -hmm. immediately afterwards and same same with pocahontas uh especially when it's public domain yeah Uh, i noticed uh, a group of uh, japanese visitors there too they were taking photos and notes as they walked around this elevated area looking down on the animators well everyone looks down on animators yeah yeah my wife is one now so everyone does (laughs) i didn't think uh, much about it only uh that i was shocked that photos were allowed 
Fast forward to a year or so later when Hercules was released by Disney in theaters, and I noticed that a straight-to-video release by a Japanese animation studio was also released. Oh, it's exactly what you're talking about. That's uh, <laughs> that's why I shouldn't talk during the letter. Uh, it was also released at the time. My brother uh, worked in a video store at the time and told me that families would come into the store looking for the Disney Hercules on video, only to be told there were, it was still in theaters. Families would see the Japanese knockoff of Hercules and buy or rent it as a substitute version uh, until Disney's version was released. Then I thought of the Japanese visitors at Disney World I'd seen. Could these guys be uh, visiting the studios to get a preview of what Disney was doing, then going back to their studio and create a straight-to-video knockoff? Uh, the way That way they could capitalize using Disney's theatrical success to sell their versions on video. Once I noticed the, that, I saw there were Japanese versions of Lion King, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast on video. So I think these guys had something going on for quite a few years. It's no wonder the studios are all gone now. We live in such a leak-to-media world these days, something that uh, Disney now avoids at all costs. To be fair, Little Mermaid, public domain, Beauty and the Beast, public domain, and Lion King, Hamlet with a happy ending. <laughs> to be fair to be fair but and yeah. to be even more fair uh isn't lion king very similar to a japanese movie called simba well there's kimba that's or right kimba, there's, the kimba, and then Sorry, there's, kimba, uh, there's yeah. simba yeah that's there's a similarity so if you're looking at someone ripping off someone i think it went in the reverse way <laughs> that way um uh and and you know what I, I i remember seeing a version of the little mermaid when i was a kid with the much darker ending Mm. You know, the one where the Little Mermaid uh, turns to sea foam for like 400 years or something, but does end up make it, does make it to heaven. Thank but goodness. like uh, the prince does not fall in love with her. It is, uh, oh boy, rough times all the way around for that Little Mermaid. Poor, poor mermaid. Uh, and mermaids didn't have souls, but she ended up getting a soul, so it was okay. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, my cousin and I were brave enough to drive from Dallas through New Mexico in January of 1990. A snowstorm uh, had closed the main highway from Albuquerque to Flagstaff. Oh, well, that's where you take right turns, I've, I've heard. Uh, uh, so we had decided to go south to get around it. Bad idea. We ended up driving into a snowbank and had to get towed out. We could hardly uh, see it was snowing so heavy. We stayed in a nearby Native American Indian town overnight, and when it was morning, realized that we had driven into the mountains. The skies were clear, and the plows had cleared the roads, so we headed northwest and made it to Las Vegas by nighttime. One more reason that I live in Texas. I hate driving in the snow. Have a great week ahead, everyone. Dave, I'll be sending you some sponges and a few shop vacs. Thank you. Very, very nice. Thank you. Uh, oh, Albuquerque. Uh, <laughs> made famous by so many cartoons. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Bampton uh, writes, uh, oh, do you want to say anything about Jonathan Bampton? Well, I just want to point out that he is the two-time winner of the uh, Listening Party uh, prize draw. Yeah, we're under indictment because of that. We're, uh, <laughs> no, we're being investigated by Robert Kennedy Jr. Some sort of a hearing. Uh, so, uh, uh, can I say one thing about one more thing about uh, Jonathan? Yeah, I wrote to tell me today, actually, three hours ago. Yeah, that the final Dirty Harry episode is up. Oh, featuring he says featuring your nice contribution spread liberally over it. Thanks again, Clue Factory worker. Oh, nice. There you go. Thank well you, done. So, uh, Jonathan writes, pop culture knockoff? Steven Tyler of Aerosmith is definitely a poor man's Mick Jagger. Most of Oasis' uh, work is a poor facsimile of 1965-1966 Beatles. Mm. Oh, shots fired. Wow. Shots fired by Jonathan Bampton. Take your complaints <laughs> to his podcast. Dirty Harry Minute. Please yes. do. 
Uh, so thank you very much for your letters. Now, David. Yes. Uh, we also have electronic mail that we pay for. We do, but before we get to electronic mail, let me just uh, say a couple. Some people sent us some tweets. Oh my gosh! And I thought, what? Yeah. What if one was a reaction to our? Uh, I sent out some emails yesterday, letting people know that we would not be appearing on Saturday. The show would not be coming on Saturday because we had not, because of I said due to some life irregularities. Sure. Which you've gone into in some detail, so we know why why we couldn't do the show. And so R two zero eight wrote to us. I'm thinking this is uh, Regis for no reason other than he says, uh, or this person says, hope. Hope's nothing to worrying, because it seems that the saying of our great philosopher, Jacques Chirac, once again comes true. The shitty things, they're always flying in squadron. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that's very true. We've had a lot of Until shitty things happening. Do they hit the fan? <laughs> and then uh, Nigel, who writes, so Nigel says, Yar, wrote, and I think this is Nigel Gregoire, who's written to say, Y'all are recording on a Sunday? The world has gone topsy-turvy. It's true. Which is true, anyway. By the way, Dave. Yep. I noticed on your Twitter account, uh, you still got your Halloween name. Oh, uh, it's been my name even before Halloween. I put that put it in there like last summer. Oh, okay. I just kept. So it in it's there. not just a. It's not Halloween related. Scared. It's just. It's, it's just. just uh, it's just someone with a stammer. Yeah, it's just me being silly. Oh, very good. They're scared to see that it's me. I did the Dave. Understood. Um, and then on our, let me just go another way around here because, um, you know what, we we also have a, a Facebook page. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, Peter Ayers wrote to uh, – because I put a picture of, of our uh, table, of our podcast area here. And he wrote at the idea that we're recording today. He said, dang, I could have sent in my week late thoughts on buttons. Peter, you missed your chance. I'm sorry. There's no more button talk at nope. this point. Sorry. And then Laurel Robertson also wrote. She said um, to the original one that where I said uh, we are um, – that we're going to be late. This, and she said, thank you. I'll tamp down the panic. Hope you and all your families are all okay. And then she added, this is Laurel R., which is nice of her to nice. put that in there. So that was very nice. Thank you, everyone, for writing. Um, oh, there's a bunch of... Um, oh, okay. All right. So we did get some emails as well. So I'm going to just get to those things. I just shut off my phone for some reason. <laughs> uh, let me just get my thumb working again. And we're going to go to my mail, my mail, which tells me that I'm not in the right place. Okay, so amongst the many, many uh, emails I'm getting from Japan offering uh, me the services of Alice, let me write some... Uh, so Sarah Walsh wrote. Sarah Walsh doesn't usually write via email, so I really appreciate this. Uh, Sarah, she sent a picture of a... Uh, what do you call that? ECG? Uh, electrocardiogram? It's not exactly one, but yes, it's a. It's definitely it's, her heartbeat. It's like a yeah, heartbeat, and yeah. she says it's the uh, subject of this is pulse. She says, I'm not Ed, but I haven't commented in ages, and you did ask for it, so I'm definitely going to make time to comment properly soon because get back. Absolutely. Can't wait to hear what you thought of it. I'm not even ready to put my reaction into words, just incoherent babble about how amazing it was. I'll work on it. So there you go. So she and the, Yeah, the drawing is her pulse, or not drawing. The picture is of her pulse, in it, and underneath it says, the, is, is no signs of AFib, I believe. Oh, okay, let me see. Oh, yeah. This ECG does not show signs of atrial fibrillation. That's yeah. right. Sinus so uh, so uh, if you were going through that and, and you're not going through that, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. That is great. I would love to hear your story when you feel comfortable telling your story. <laughs> yes. Now, our friend Kaylin Grawl wrote, Nice, I like that uh, friend. <laughs> under the under the uh, 
the subject General Ramble. Oh, okay. So we're gonna go on a. Uh, I think that's a military, military general, very famous military general, of World War Two. <clears throat> I think he was uh, the general uh, who uh, was in charge of Sad Sack. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Keenan says, "Hello, sneaky overlords of Sneak World." <laughs> Just feel we were getting really uh, quite a promotion there. On the subject of the Snake Charmer cartoon, the easy fix would be to have the psychiatrist also be Egyptian, therefore representing two characters of Middle Eastern descent. There you go. Yeah, okay, that's possible. It's a sad, sorry world where you can't use an antiquated stereotype in a single gay cartoon, <laughs> an almost antiquated art form in itself. Hey, the internet may be killing many things, but at least it's given us social media and YouTube. Yay! And podcasts. Actual yay. It reminds me of visual shorthand and symbolism where you can't get a fancy in representation of certain things, like telephones, for example. At one point in history, a teenager might have had a Garfield phone, but you'd never draw that phone because people would be so distracted by the phone if it's not part of the gag. So you just end up drawing a basic phone. You want immediate results, so you can't get fancy. Yeah. I wonder if we'll ever see a stand-up comedian do a racially, really racially offensive show where they have a lineup of people from every ethnicity on stage to deliver their respective impressions and punchlines. To spice it up, as soon as the comedian throws to their Indian representative during their Indian bit, the person they recruited angrily states, I'm Sri Lankan, you ass. On to the question of the week. I the, think, by the way, they do do those uh, type of shows quite a bit. Oh, do they? Yeah, I oh, think so, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, Kanan. On to the question of the week. Questions of the week. The worst weather I've experienced has to be summer in Toronto. <laughs> this is true. One in particular, which is the year they had a garbage strike that went over two months long. So people, just so you know, like when you go to Toronto in the summertime, when you step off the plane, it immediately feels like someone wrapped you in a hot, warmed-up blanket. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It just feels like they just wrapped it right around you, and you just have to walk around wearing this wet, hot blanket. And that's the feeling you'll have for the entire time you're in Toronto. Except when you go into someone's house and they have, thankfully have air conditioning. And you're like, I'm never leaving. And you're like, want to go swimming? No. <laughs> so that means I have to cross the yard to the pool. Um, so one year in particular, they had a garbage strike that went over two months long. The stink in the city ramped up to unbearable levels of horrid. It was a combination of general garbage, cigarette butts, compost, etc. But the two main smells that stood out the most would have to be rancid meat and dirty diapers. A heady mix. And there was no escaping it. In the first couple of weeks, people just piled bags around their bins, thinking it wouldn't be resolved. Thinking it would be resolved soon enough. But the city wouldn't budge. So eventually, every green space in the city became the neighborhood city, neighborhood dump until, by the time it was resolved, summer was in full swing, and there were mounds of garbage all over the city during 40-degree days. So, Ugh. yeah, the Toronto summer of the meat poop is something I could have lived without. <laughs> as far as knockoffs go, I don't know if I consider people trying to grab their piece of the cultural zeitgeist to be creating a knockoff. I think in business, there are innovators and followers. But the followers are just trying to make money after the innovators took the risk for them. Boringly, that's just how the entertainment landscape works. Like, when a bug's life and ants come out, I think it's just a case of the studios being aware of what each other are doing and racing to get theirs out first. It's probably the case with many things that are similar, like Alice in Borderland and Squid Game on Netflix being released close together, though by all accounts they're both old ideas, one being a graphic novel first, and the other apparently being shopped around by the creator for a long time. Had he read the graphic novels? Who knows? And Battle Royale came out a long time ago. And then there's movies. Uh, then there's the movies Escape Room, Saw, and Ca The Cabin in the Woods, plus others, I'm sure. All riff on people playing games to survive. Some for amusement of the rich people, one for population control, or for serial killers. 
What I consider the true knockoffs are the cheaply made things released directly to DVD that are so similarly titled, or exactly titled in the case of Disney movies, titled after fairy tales that can't be copyrighted. Oh, this is this is all related to it. Yeah, yeah, it's all connected. They try to rope in grandparents wanting to buy a movie for the grandkids and don't know the difference. You still see them all over streaming services, and I can't for the life of me figure out who watches them. You know, Frozen comes out, and there's a Snow Queen movie with almost identical character designs. What's the point? Who works in them? And would you put that on your resume? Lastly, oh God, let it end, you say, for the music challenge, I once heard a Canadian songstress tell a story about how she was approached to have a song of hers put into an episode of Buffy. It was to be played over a scene of Buffy and Spike as a particularly saccharine love song, which tickled her immensely because she wrote it as an ode to her television. (laughs) When she played it, it made everyone laugh because, yep, it could be taken either way. So how about songs that sound like they're about one thing, but they're actually about another? Ah. Or if that's too specific, maybe songs that have a story behind them that is more interesting than the song. Well, that's it. That's it for me. Keep on sneaking, sneakers, Kanan. Thank you, Kanan. That is interesting. I wasn't planning to read this letter from Louise, but Ian brought it up and as something that's common, so I thought we would just briefly talk about it. Okay. Louise wrote to say, Say, has something changed with SneakyDragon.com? I'm suddenly being blocked from accessing it through my PC browsers, Chrome and Edge. It says, your connection to the site isn't secured. The site does not have a certificate. I've tried adding the website to the antivirus allow list, but I still get blocked. I can call it up on Jackie's iPad, though. Any ideas? So yeah, I'm having the same thing on my older computer. So older computers are uh, what's happening is because they're older, they're they're not able to read the new SSL certificates that are part of the website. So our website, if you look, if you're on the website and if you look at where it has the address in the little bar along the top of your browser, there's a lock there. And if that lock is unlocked, it means the site isn't secured. And if it's locked, ah, okay. it means the site is secured. So we do have SSL certificates. We are secure. The problem is, is when your computer browser gets too old or when your computer gets too old, it can't read the new certificates. And so you end up with these warnings. So you do have to do end runs. Usually you can, if you, if you go down through this warning, there's a little thing that says for further information or whatever. And if you click on that, it will then give you the option of going to the site anyway. And then you can get there anyhow and just ignore it. Because like I say, we are secure. So unfortunately, as, as your computer gets older, it does have problems. You know, it can't back up. The same things drivers get out of date because the computer can no longer support hey, those we've drivers. All been there, buddy. We've all been there, and then this yeah. is one of those Who other results. So I wasn't going to talk about it, but since Louise asked it, and Ian said he was also had a problem with his computer, which is older, I thought I'd just explain the problemo. And we have one last letter, and that is oh. from Jada Jackman. Oh, very good. We haven't heard from Jada for a while, and I, I always assume because I'm ridiculous because if someone hasn't written for a while, I'm like, I guess they stopped listening to the show. You said something offensive. It's fine. Yeah, Ian, them away. Ian said something about cavemen and they just, they left. Mm-hmm. But Jada says... he's a professor. <laughs> Please respect that he's a professor. Yeah, yeah. He didn't go to throg you for like two days, you know, to be called Mr. Burn his, caveman. Burned his fingers. Yeah. Didn't burn his fingers for nothing. Uh, hello, Dave and Ian, Jada says. After a long stretch of weeks of getting more and more behind on episodes, <laughs> I finally just caught up actually finishing 521 as I typed this. That's the funny thing about podcasts. They keep coming out each week. It's true, but also you don't really, you're not really behind. Like yeah, you could it's not like, a continuing plot. You, you could just go to 521 and continue to listen when you're there. Even Dave isn't sure. Like he's reading the yeah. Barnabas Collins stuff and like, I don't, I don't even, know, maybe I've done this. <laughs> have we done this show before? I don't think I had. I think I was just having like a, a weird fugue. Anyway, I thought I'd be able to catch up last week during American Thanksgiving, but all of my free time was gladly taken up by the Fab Four and the Get Back series. 
Good, wasn't it? Hopefully you talked about it already on this week's podcast, but if not, I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, we went into it a little bit, but like I say, we are planning to do a show entirely devoted to it. So uh, Ian just has to watch it. Okay. I gave him a point. I can't of... do it. I'm like I'm, I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> I gave him It'd a be rude. Pointed look. I could look at it on my phone right now if you want. Um, okay, now to go back and answer some previous questions. Good. Firstly, you guys were talking about purpose, and boy, did this hit home. A big part of why I got so behind was because of that word purpose. I had been working on a big project for my PhD program. Okay, Jada, you're working on a PhD program. I think you're okay. I think you're doing great. But anyway. Maybe, yeah, oh wait. Doing, you're doing caveman great. <laughs> oh wait, caveman great. She goes, I do my PD program and failed my examination. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Luckily, I still have a second shot. But in failing, my advisor suggested con- that I consider other options both inside and outside my program. Oh, I don't know what to say to that. I feel like if it's something that you really want to do that you shouldn't yeah. start to consider options yet. You know, just, I think you have it in you to pass that examination. I think Same you should, here. should yeah. take it again. You know, if it's something that you really want, you know, unless it's something that you're starting to wonder about now, I, I wonder if you should consider other options. But anyway, several people told me to do some soul searching, which I just thought was humorous to tell someone to search their whole soul in a week. <laughs> Everyone has been asking about my true purpose, but I've always been hesitant to prescribe something to my true purpose. In taking time to think, I've landed on this. I am a very passionate person, and what I love most is just getting into a project making it my own, and feeling proud of the work I've done. I just love the act of a job well done. But then again, don't we all? Well, we do. Yeah. I definitely do. And one well, week we will. <laughs> we will actually get it. Yeah, we'll actually get there. Well, that's all I've got for now. Ask me again in a year, and I'm sure I'll say something else. <laughs> What's the age when you start to get all the answers? I don't know. I'm not there yet either. But I'd love to reach that. I'm starting to think never. I think that's true, unfortunately. But you know what? If we knew all the answers, how boring would life yeah, be, really? Yeah, very dull. What a, what a sad and sorry existence that would be. be like watching a movie that you know everything about. Like, in, Well, I guess people do do that, but for me it would be like watching a movie I know everything about. Something Ian said on the last show really, last, really lasted with me. That he felt that he'd been kicked about five times and feels bruised. Because, wow, yes, that's how I feel. It's been a very much, when it rains, it pours year. Ian, I really hope that you are holding on to all the positives. <laughs> because both you and Pia have so much to be proud of. Why, extra sister sparks, and now you're doing stand-up again? Great news. Just think of the bright side. At least you're not 23 years old. Like, <laughs> haha, I kid. <laughs> she goes on to say, after that very serious discussion, she says, button fly pants all the way. <laughs> well, you've got to do them up all the way or you're a creep. <laughs> I, just feel that they, I just feel that they lay better on my body type and that they are more comfortable than a zipper for high-waisted jeans or high-waisted pants. Also, speaking of which, I love high-waisted pants, but is Nina allowed... Pants are really up to preference. Also, I love that you guys were making fun of big pants, as I myself am currently wearing big pants. <laughs> I'm always a sucker for wide legs and flares, but I like them for the vintage look. Luckily for me, they are quite trendy now. Well, I'll just say, before we go on, that I am a huge fan of, of, of flares for, for ladies. I, I think they have a, a, a length. They make the legs look longer. Okay. And I think that's uh, something that women often can use when, they, when they're dressing. My problem with the high-waisted pants is they kind of went in with this sort of weird narrow narrow bottom for a while there, and I didn't. I just thought that was very unflattering. Okay. I got nothing to say about any of that. Well, I have opinions of these things. Yeah, understood. In terms of I ex- want granimals for, like, just regular clothes and for adults. Oh, okay. I want that thing where you match, I'm wearing a bear with a bear. <laughs> I want that. from. But then you know. you, you're, some of your clothes are in the wash, and you can't match your bear with your bear. That gets really... 
It's oh, probably wait. Wait till it's washed. I think you'll be bare naked, I guess. Ah. In terms of extreme weather. Barely legal. <laughs> in terms of extreme weather, I've experienced tornadoes, earthquakes, and many hurricanes. For one hurricane, I remember that it wiped out power for the whole town I lived in when I was in high school. But somehow, our neighborhood was the first to get power. So I went to school with my hair flat iron to everyone's shock, totally <laughs> forgetting that no one else had power. Some people said that they were without power for a week. So thankful. So thankful I didn't have to experience that. Well, I think it's time I finish this long letter and get this in on time. I'll try not to fall behind again, but no promises. Jada. Jada, there's no such thing as falling behind Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. We give you an A. Sneaky Dragon is always behind. You can have your sneaky certificate anytime. So thank you for everyone who wrote in. Yeah. I really, I really, I really appreciate it. Ian, not so much. Nope, not me. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. I'm ripping off Kevin Meany. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, I really do enjoy your uh, letters. So let's uh, generate some more. Uh, have you got a topic for this uh, week? Because if you don't, as usual, I'm fine to come up with one. Here's one that I don't know if we've done before, uh, which is I was talking about, you were talking a bit about Star Wars. I was talking a bit about Ghostbusters yeah. as examples of like uh, nostalgia that really didn't work for somebody. Okay. And, and uh, you know, sometimes nostalgia does work. for. What is an example of something that has come out where uh, they got the nostalgia right? Hmm. Where it just had, like I would say something like Cobra Kai to me is like they took Karate Kid, which was a really basic film, and they yeah. expanded on it and gave it more heart and more depth and made it interesting, and then it, it did a good job. Yeah. Uh, what What is something that uh, has done new that has done nostalgia right? It could even be something like Stranger Things, which isn't specifically about something in the past, but it uh, it does capture that feeling, the vibe, the yeah. nostalgia, or even sure. a Wes Anderson movie. There's some nostalgia. Of a, of a past thing in there. So, what is a what is something now that does nostalgia right, or in the past has done nostalgia right? Hmm. Very good. You're looking at me again, like I have an idea. Here's the other one. <laughs> um, I mentioned uh, Rich Elwood as being uh, kind of a mentor to me. Mm. Uh, is there a mentor that you have had in your life that mm. put you uh, on a different path? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. There you are. There you go, everyone. So that is a nostalgia that worked or didn't work for you. Yeah. And Tell us about a mentor that you had that changed the path of your life. Yeah, there we go. Uh, here's what you're going to do for that. You're going to go to SneakyDragon.com and uh, write us a little note underneath our message board, uh, on our message board. You can do that. Why not? Uh, you can go to uh, uh, Facebook, where we're there, as Sneaky Dragon. You can go to Twitter. Well, that's all the rage now. Uh, sneaky underscore dragon. Tumblr, SneakyDragon.tumblr.com. Uh, and also, we have email. Because, you know, we're fancy, which is uh, SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode. Mm. Uh, so if you want to check out um, Dark Shadows, uh, that is on Tubi. You can follow along with uh, Dave on Tubi. Yeah. Uh, we will in the future be talking about, uh, you know, certain Beatles documentaries. So if you <laughs> if you want to check that one out, you're welcome to. Dave and I work on a uh, series of kids' books called Sparks. Uh, Dave is a colorist. I am the writer. Our friend Nina Matsumoto, who was discussed a couple of times on the show, is the amazing artist. And there are two books out. Currently, there's one coming out. So there's Sparks, Sparks Double Dog Dare, and Sparks Future Perfect will be coming out uh, in March of next year. So go and check those out if you wish. If you do have access to, um, say, Hulu or whatnot, now's a good time to watch Why the Last Man. Every little bit helps. Every view helps. So uh, please do that. In Canada, it's on it. 
FX now. If you are in Europe, it is on Disney Plus. And if you want to like drop a little uh, note on Twitter and go, hey, this is good stuff. Uh, that is hashtag why lives on or just hashtag why the last man. That would be much appreciated uh, by my lovely wife and a wonderful birthday present for her. So thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, hope you're all doing very well. Appreciate all of the support, all of the words, all of even the silent ones out there who listen, but do not write. That is fine. Absolutely fine. We we love you all. Dave, anything to say? Uh, there you go. I got no questions. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. But without seeing. Unless we actually see you before then. We might physically see you, you know, on the street. I, you know, you know how this works. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.